everyone, and welcome to the Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of thecinematropolis.com, your home to thoughtful conversations on film. I'm your host, Caleb Masters, and Happy New Year! Because today we're kicking off 2024 by doing something a little bit different from our usual format. Today we're going to give you a sneak peek at all the upcoming films in the year, including our top picks. We're going to start by taking a look back at our 2023 box office predictions. That's right, audio from last year, still on the internet, some of us get it wrong. Before hedging our bets for the top performing film of 2024 at the box office. And then we'll talk about our top three most anticipated movies of 2024, along with our predictions for the year. And then we'll close out the show with a special round of 2024 movie trivia. Hopefully, is the inaugural previews trivia for the year. Joining me as always, he came back to me for another year. He's my co-host. He's an award-winning Oklahoma filmmaker, Laurent Chapman. Welcome back, sir. Cheers to the new year. Cheers. I just want to say the holiday fatigue is real, y'all. It's very real. I'm feeling the weight of the of the end of the year. All the experiences we've had together, all of the food I've ingested. All the food. And all the people and overstimulation I've had from all the various parties and activities. Had a great time. Had a great year. Good year for movies. But... I'm tired. <laughs> I'm also tired, uh, which is why it's a good time to tell people that we're going to be on a hiatus. But more on that later. Also, very excited to be rejoined by the Flick Attack and the Cinematropolis contributor, Daniel Bo Kemper and his beard. Daniel, welcome back. Happy to be here. Uh, Happy New Year, sir. Resident cinema prophet. Don't. Uh, don't listen to my uh, predictions from last year when they came up because I totally knew Dune Part Two would be moved. Yeah, no, nah, man. As far as I'm concerned, you weren't wrong. I mean, Dune Dune Part Two could have, you know, it's it still, very, yeah. it still could be. We'll never know. It's just we'll, too we'll early. Know. Well, we will know. We'll know this year. <laughs> we'll know this year. <laughs> it's just too early, Daniel. You were just a little ahead of your. I know. Of the you know, and you know, it was all of us. We were all ahead of the curve. But Daniel was the trendsetter for Dune Part Two. Yeah, true. Ladies and gentlemen, we hope you had a happy holiday season. To kick off the new year, right, you're thinking, I can't wait for another year of the Cinematic Schematic. You could really help us out by leaving us a five-star rating and review, specifically on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. I would love to kick off the new year with some love from our listeners. All right, gentlemen, we have so much to talk about. But before we get into all the things 2024, as Leron already hinted here, we've been through a lot of holiday seasons. And I don't know about you guys, and trust me. I love movies. I'm, I'm like Keanu, uh, the Keanu meme. I love movies. I love movies. But studios have this nasty habit, and I feel like it's worse this year than it's been in a while, of just waiting until the end of the year to just shower insane numbers of movies on top of us. So I don't know about you gentlemen, I have been watching a lot of movies over the last two weeks. Only a couple of them we've really been able to cover sufficiently on the show. So I thought really quickly, we won't spend too much time on these, but I just want to get the highlights of what are some of the films that you've watched uh, since Christmas that maybe you want to highlight for our listeners. And I'll start with you, Laron Chabin. Um, Christmas Day, I went and saw The Color Purple with uh, my grandma in, in Kansas. Um, it was kind of the perfect holiday movie to go see. Um, I feel like I have been having a bad luck of of with theaters in terms of technical difficulties hmm. and what have you because like i've told you several times you know at our local theater Ace, well when, when quail springs is your theater that's a pretty normal occurrence though. <laughs> jeez yeah oh man oh man yeah and so yeah that's happened to me three or four times you know the you know where i just i go to see something and everything shuts down so i thought surely going to amc in kansas i wasn't going to deal with this and the dolby theater 
of Wichita, Kansas. I'm Adobe's, not, those are usually pretty reliable. Yeah, pretty reliable. They couldn't get the film to download in time. Forty, It, it maybe was 40 minutes you know, into waiting where everyone had had their margaritas and stuff because, you know, they have a, a bar just like everyone else. And, oh, man, they came and announced that we couldn't we couldn't see the movie. And I was like, okay, well, I drove all the way here just to see it. And so I had to sit in the nosebleed section, you know, of a 8 o'clock movie, like the very front row, oh my like goodness. neck tilted for two and a half hours watching Fantasia Barino cry and scream at us, you know. Breaking all of your normal rules <laughs> just so you can see the movie that just night. Just so I could see it that night with my grandma. And you know what? In the end, it wound up being worth it. I did enjoy the film. Um, I think What'd she think of it? She loved it, yeah. yeah. I think that, uh, look, the 1985 um, uh, Color Purple Steven Spielberg classic mm. is like one of those staples in the black community. I mean, like you, nine out of 10 of the people that you, you know, you talk to will probably be able to quote it because mm -hmm. it's just so, so integral and part of the, you know, things we reference and what have you. So, yeah. and the fact that he made it is kind of a, kind of, you know, remarkable in a way mm -hmm. because no one really even, you know, hit, you know, a white man made that movie and yeah. no one, and it's a, very important to black people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so normally it's, you, you know, you get critiques about that. So this was a great, like, reimagining a happier kind of glitzier more palatable version of that it's mm -hmm. its own thing i keep telling people don't compare it to the other or the original yeah. but the filmmakers seem to know that people are coming with that knowledge mm -hmm. so there's definitely you know and just to clarify for listeners who might not be familiar it is a musical based on the movie it is a yeah so the film is based on the broadway musical the color purple not the 1985 film mm -hmm. but the 1985 but but the musical is is adapted from the movie and the movie is adapted from the, the book, book. Right. so there's several degrees of derivativeness yes from it so it, it definitely has all of the touchstones but with it being a, a big you know broadway musical mm -hmm. adaptation so if you like movie musicals it's a it's a pretty great one. You okay. know? So I enjoyed that. I enjoyed Wonka surprisingly. Um I the, We all saw Wonka, right? Yeah. Yes, we did. So, we can all talk about that briefly. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, uh, I, no, I I just I the trailers were cringe for me. I vomited my <laughs> mouth every time I saw one. And of I, and I hate yeah. that cuz I was like I love Paddington. I love I, I mean I got I got a Timothy Chalamet shirt, you know, like I'm I mean I'm 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 tailor made for this sort of thing, but the trailer just me. It just reeked of nostalgia, uh, nostalgia, mm -hmm. like shameless nostalgia grabs uh, yeah. with the music cues, the visual cues. Uh, but I, I'm with you. The movie was actually surprisingly charming. Charming. I charming. wouldn't say great. Yeah. No. But it was it was charming. It was charming. fun. Heartwarming. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you do. We were speaking about this earlier, but I, I got this vibe from the trailer and it persisted in the film. And even though generally the film was okay. It does feel pretty disconnected from Charlie and the chocolate factory. Yeah. The, 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 the Willy Wonka, we understand as a character, it just seems starring, uh, um, Gene yeah. Wilder. Gene Wilder. Yeah, yeah. It feels very, it just feels very disconnected and, and, and certain things to me just didn't make sense, but it's kind of one of those things you just kind of compartmentalize. Yeah. You just accept like, why is he such a better candy creator <laughs> as a child? Then he is an, as an adult, and maybe because he he lost his his smile or the magic was lost. But you you really do have to kind of where's his feisty that. streak? You know, we don't really get a lot of that because we see especially no. in the Gene Wilder version, he's more of a uh, kind of a light misanthrope. You know, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he's he's manipulative and he he likes messing with people. And mm -hmm. yeah, you you see that like like a kind of 
playful impishness to him that I think Timothy Chalamet kind of captures, but it's it's just not there in the character yeah, really. So yeah. it does feel pretty disconnected. It's and, pretty wholesome. Yeah. You know? And and so it's yeah you it's hard to get how he gets to the the Willy Wonka we understand who's very closed, hermited, shielded from the world in a lot of ways, or protect guards himself. I think this is is hitting on one of the things that really bothered me about the trailer and kind of annoys me about the movie overall, even though I, I think, again, I, I overall, there's, I think there's a little really creative, a lot of good things to like about it. Timothy Chalmay I thought was a little inconsistent, but overall good. The musical numbers mm-hmm. were really charming and fun. And guys, I mean, I, I, I found my new life calling. It's become initiated as a chocoholic monk. So I'll be leaving the <laughs> podcast after this episode. Uh, but the thing that annoys me is it's definitely not supposed to be the same version as Gene Wilder. No. However, because of all the music cues and nods to the, what the it people- It wants to have its cake. It's, and, it wants to have its chocolate cake and eat it too. Exactly. You know, yeah. chocolate, chocolate bar and eat it too. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, you see where I'm going. I got you. I got mm-hmm. you. Yeah, so I don't. It, it didn't really like. It doesn't ruin the movie. It's just a weird. We're in a weird time in the history of cinema where it's like we're gonna give you all these things that people remember, but actually we're we're gonna cherry pick them in a way. But at the same time, it's not the same. It's thing. almost yeah. like if it was gonna be its own thing, then just be your own thing and don't and right. don't find no connection between the two. But it wants to do both, and so yeah. And I do feel like it could have been a little more compelling if you have a character that's complicated in that yes. way. That's the thing. I just do not feel like the Wonka in that film is is all that complicated like it's not that he doesn't no he's paddington yeah and you still feel like good about him but yeah he just feels a little too a little too pristine for me to make sense i I did like the supporting cast i loved olivia coleman as yes miss crumpet miss crumpet or something like that 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 was great that was great and i did like the gag with keegan michael key uh, as the the corrupt police officer <laughs> who's a part of the who's being paid off by the chocolate cartel. Yes. Well, that was that was very creative. There was also some sn- sequences in there specifically like the heisty elements that felt very Wes Anderson at times, mm-hmm. which was kind of which was kind of cute and charming as well. Not Wes Anderson, but kind of like adjacent. They had the, yeah. the score. The and the, and the, and the, the, yeah. Yep. 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 For yeah. sure. Um, all right. Laurent, what else? Uh, the last thing I, I saw it literally last night, uh, Paul Schrader's Master Gardener, which is seems to be a trilogy to the first Reformed, the Card Counter, and now this because dealing with the same themes with each one. I think this is the weaker of the three, but still really compelling. Um, and it's on Hulu, so I, I recommend people go and check it out. But um, it, it's definitely dealing with a X. What an ex um, skinhead, ex um, white white supremacist who's on the road to redemption. There's some kind of the gardening. Comp- yeah, there's some comp- there's some complicated thematic stuff going on because he's he's infatuated with a mixed race girl that's half his age, and you're kind of wondering like, are we? You know, um, mm-hmm. where are we going with this? So it kind of gave me a monsters ball vibe a lot with okay. the Billy Bob Thornton and Halle Berry kind of dynamic but it's still just you know it has the things that Schrader does really well with that kind of um brooding morally ambiguous character that is compelling but flawed in interesting ways um I do think this one's a little too hopeful than than the other two seem to have end on more 
ambiguous notes. Yeah, I, to very, uh, I mean, especially first reform is yeah, it's pretty dour. Ending. Pretty dour. This one is definitely uplift, and that's a weird. It's kind of weird tonally at the end to be like, why am I feeling this seems too happy at the end? Just a quick little. Marty Scorsese yeah. shows up and says, "Man, bro, you got to lighten up <laughs> for this next one." <laughs> There's a really great supporting performance though from Sigourney Weaver in it, and she she plays a very uh, deliciously detestable woman. I'll just say that. I haven't seen Sigourney in a while, so that's worth checking out alone, I'm sure. And and I I did really love First Reformed and The Card Counter to a lesser degree, so. Yeah. 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 Good recommends. Daniel Bokemper, how about you? Yeah, you may have talked about both of these in some capacity and they're not super recent, uh, but one I did just catch up on uh, just a few days ago, Dream Scenario. We have not talked about that Okay, good. I'll talk about it now. Uh, (laughs) Christopher Borgley's film, it's Starring uh, Nicolas Cage, it's very much a reality warping drama, horror, comedy, kind of an amalgam of a lot of different genres, which makes sense because it does feel like a spiritual successor to like Spike Jones and mm. Charlie Kaufman's uh, being John Malkovich. And I think more specifically adaptation in this case. And no coincidence that they both start Nick Cage, but it's it's. <laughs> I don't want to say pleasant. It, it is at times an uncomfortable movie, but it's just so funny and, and just a brief synopsis it's about a uh, a man who's a swarm intelligence he's like a biology professor but he specializes in swarm intelligence and camouflage and herd animals and things like that and uh one day people start to have dreams with him and he's just kind of standing around doing nothing but they all seem to have these dreams that cascade into something else eventually and so he becomes kind of an overnight celebrity and you go through his sort of his his press media journey and because, everything because that he's entails. just showing up in everyone's He's just dream. showing up, yeah. And yeah. he's in the, you know, the, I wish he'd show up in one of my dreams, but it's you know, it's, <laughs> just I'm still waiting, standing around, <laughs> just standing around. Uh, yeah, and I don't know. It 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 speaks a lot to I think finding our like we want to be significant, and he has like the ultimate connection to every person where you are automatically inside their head, and I think that that wanting to be recognized in some way, but ultimately the way you're recognized is a very superficial and odd way. And I think his interactions, Michael Sarah plays a uh, great bit part. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Small role, but great. And it just fits him so well. He's like, he would be that guy. He's like a (laughs) publicist or the, he's like the exec for an ad agency. Who's kind of like a tech bro. sort of dude. And he's, he's trying to get Nicholas Cage's character, Paul to sign off on, doing like a Sprite commercial <laughs> so he can then, but I'll, at the same time, Nick brilliant, wants to do kind of book. brilliant marketing. It partner. would be, it really would be, <laughs> but, but also awful at the same time. Yeah. Awful. Very ob- exploitive. For sure. Yeah. And, and Nick Cage's character is very, you know, he's very into himself, very, very entitled to his findings. Sometimes rightfully, it's not that he isn't a smart person, but I don't know. It just treads that line. And it's like everything you've ever literally dreamed of starts to, not work the way you want it to. There's and a cost of fame, right? There is, especially yeah. the fame that's achieved overnight, and that Ooh. is achieved for seemingly no reason. Yeah, um, the, the yeah, that's the this fame that's not earned, you know? right? And that uh, I'd also like to mention Godzilla minus one. Yeah, uh, just briefly, um, mostly because we're getting you know starting to get the early, and we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later. But the uh, Godzilla X Kong hype is is coming. I can't say I'm terribly excited especially after seeing godzilla minus one uh which reminds us that uh giant monster films can have strong emotional hearts and they can have very human stories to them 
for some reason, we haven't really done that with a lot of the American-made films. But Gareth the, Edwards tried really hard in that 2014 movie, and he didn't quite get there. And, it, they just, and I liked that movie. I didn't love it. It, it, it was it all right. Um, I did watch its sequel shortly after Godzilla Minus One. I oh, that one definitely is not, the even monsters. Tri- not even trying. It's it's yeah. so bad. I don't know why there's even dialogue in it. Like I, I, well, I question. I'm not going to go down this train of thought, but I, from what I understand, that one is modeled more off of like the '90s Godzilla movies. Again, mm-hmm. I'm going to be very clear in saying I am not uh, well versed enough in this to 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 make any sort of argument. So we don't stand the Roland Emmerich. No, no, not that one. No, 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 no sorry. Sorry, the 90s Japanese Godzilla yes. movies. Um, so all I'm saying is that movie has some diehard fans, mm-hmm. which is wild to me because I agree. I thought that movie was pretty bad. The the monster fights aren't bad, but then like when you get beyond those, you do need something to connect to yeah. that isn't giant monsters. And I do kind of worry both with Godzilla versus Kong and then this new film. Um, it, it feels like it's it's just kind of homogenizing back into like, lowest common denominator here's the check boxes oh you it's like a selling point is that it has yeah. less human interaction and again to see it on the back burner i will be seeing it on the back burner of godzilla minus one which really japan they're they haven't done a lot of godzilla films lately but between this and shin godzilla um both i think shin godzilla was the last yeah it was japanese and producer. it was also exceptional and yes and they're both very good i i think it's at first i wanted to compare the two but i don't think they're super comparable i think they're very different films radically different types yeah. of godzilla movies you know what's funny both too excellent not only that uh just on that note mm-hmm. comparing the the two godzillas uh sorry the american godzilla films to yeah. godzilla minus one hey Laurent, how much how much do you think godzilla minus one cost cost have you seen it yet I have yet to see it, oh, okay. Um, okay. Okay. but but I I feel like I'm cheating a little bit because I think I heard how much it was, okay. but I'm going to guess because it's been a while. Um, I want to say it was under fifty million. So okay, okay, uh, it is fifteen million. Jeez. Whoa, Jeez. I thought it was at least double that. Uh-huh. Yeah, fifteen million. All right, and Godzilla <laughs> versus so Kong good. budget, right? Let's let's look at that bad boy. How much did that guy cost? Two hundred million. Oh, more than ten no. times. And I will just say, Dave, sorry, I, Dave, I'm hoping I, I'm hoping yeah. I'm not cutting you off, but I just want to no, say, no. they made a way more badass Godzilla than I've seen in my lifetime in America. For $15 million, and we can't do it with t- more than 10 times the budget. No. And it's not like they look like, it's not like the CGI looks any better. It's not like Godzilla Minus One looks cheap like it, but they probably took time with it. They yeah. Probably had an idea, had clear creative direction. Probably worked more efficiently. And worked more efficiently. Yeah. I just feel like with monster movies, typically the humans get... Um, they're always super... They're not as interesting. And so no. what I... So what I... Which, naturally, you're going to see mm-hmm. monsters fight, but... Um, but it does matter, you know what I mean? Like if you care about the human characters in the story, cause it does just add that extra level of elevation to the story. Um, where, yeah, no matter what's on screen, you're, you're engaged, you know? So, yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's the case here, but I'm, I'm, it, I'm it, hearing, it, I'm hearing that is the case. It, it, it is. is. It has a very, it's protagonist is, is very strong, very compelling. It's not a perfect movie at times. It does probably feel a little, Maybe ham fisted or or heavy handed, but like that's a little bit of the Japanese filmmaking, and that's okay. And I think it's okay. Like it, it, it's very easy to forgive that for this film because I think it just has such a sincere message it's trying to send across, and it needs to be like projected and loud. Um, But also, I, I kind of like it's refreshing to see Godzilla be what he is, which is a metaphor for global destruction Mm. and you know weapons of mass destruction. And I think he serves that purpose better. But whereas now we. You know, he's, he's a hero. 
yeah. um, in some cases. And, and while that's okay. And I, we're cool with, uh, you know, our heroes just demolishing buildings. Right. Left and right inconsequential. Know? Well, I think of that where like in, in King of the Monsters, there's a sequence where they're like, yeah, and soon uh, Washington, D.C. is going to be completely underwater. And there's no like people aren't worried about it. They don't care. And then it just immediately cuts in the next scene. It is literally like the Capitol building is kind of protruding out from under the water. And I'm like, that seems like it maybe took out a lot of <laughs> like human lives, but it seems inconsequential in those films, just the way it's framed. It seems like it doesn't matter. Um, it's more about the, the one liners and, you know, I got to find this person or whatever. And I don't know. One thing I'd add just for listeners, uh, not to, I don't want to spoil the movie. This is kind of the, the premise. This is a movie where the main character is, so this is a period piece set out right after uh, world war two has ended mm. and it's uh, Japan rebuilding. Mm. And mm. your main character is a kamikaze pilot who comes back and okay. he comes back and has to figure out not only how to rebuild Japan, but also how to rebuild his life yeah. despite feeling deep shame and being looked down upon by his uh, fellow um, Japanese citizens. So yeah. see, that's a compelling narrative and, just there without the monsters. So, exactly. Yeah. And poor in distinction to he did. He, he lied about his plane malfunctioning. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Correct. 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 To, but, but people, people whiff that but out. Even if yeah, people whiff yeah. that out pretty fast. But, yeah. But uh, anyway, Daniel, a great recommend. We have not really had a, a lot of time to talk about Big Boy Godzilla uh, minus one. That's a great call out. Any other films you want to call out today? No, that's mine too. Um, no, real quick, number one for me. Lots of requests from people for the la- over the last two weeks. Caleb, have you seen this movie? What do you think of this movie? I saw this, watched this movie last night, and I have to talk about it. It's called Leave the World Behind on Netflix. It stars. Some of my favorites you got Mahershala Ali, you got Ethan Hawke, mm-hmm. uh, you've got uh, Julia Roberts, uh, all part of a great ensemble cast. And base, it's very similar to a movie, frankly, that came out earlier this year from M. Night Shyamalan called Knock at the Cabin. Uh, the, the difference here is this is from the guy who did Mr. Robot, the, the TV show, and it's a lot more slick, stylish, some wild camera work. But anyway, the, the premise here is that these are. Um, so, so you have a couple played by Ethan Hawke and Julia Roberts who are trying to get away for the weekend, um, kind of a spontaneous vacation and they go through an Airbnb or some, something like it mm-hmm. where they're staying at a house in the country outside of New York and, uh, they, they get there and, uh, that night someone comes to the door, Mahershala Ali, and he says, Hey, this is our house. Not Dave Bautista. Not today, Batista. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Very different. <laughs> no, that would have been some crazy overlap there. Uh, and uh, yeah, and a lot of craziness ensues. And there's, yeah, as I hinted, there's a lot of overlap with uh, Knock at the Cabin, wherein uh, we learn very quickly that uh, the world systems are falling apart and our main characters have no idea what's going on. There's no, they, they lose cell phone service. Uh, internet, cable, all radio, all the stuff. So they're totally cut off, and yeah, a lot of weird shenanigans ensue. And I, you know, very much like Knock, I have a very similar feelings to that movie, Knock at the Cabin, which is the premise is awesome, great setup for suspense. The tension is slow and consistent. The mysteries get more and more intriguing as you go. I lean in more. I lean in more. I lean in more. Holy cow, how are they going to land this plane? Spoiler alert, they don't land the plane for me. Okay. You know, I, I found the ending to be kind of, it, it, they, they, it, it felt like the end of Act 2, where they punctuated it with a kind of a cop-out, I would argue a little bit. 
Okay. That said, so, so I don't feel like I'm going to be rewatching this one any, anytime soon. That said, it's a great ride. It's a great ride. Like sure. I was, I, I was telling Lauren, we were watching it last night mm-hmm. and I was like, oh babe, this thing is cooking. I was like, if they can figure out how to land this thing, this is going to be a high watermark for Netflix yeah. movies this year. And it did not. That doesn't mean that it, what, it, what it did well, it did very well. It's just, you're hoping it all adds up to something that makes you think, wow, this is relevatory in some way. And turns out it just uh, ends with a, yeah, the world's scary. What's new? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, do you think knock at the cabin had a more satisfying conclusion? I know. I think it had okay. a, I, I prefer this one. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think just generally just a quick note about it. I, the ending for me has been a point of dissension for a lot. I mean, for a lot of people like they, either, you're either, it either works like, 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 Oh, that's brilliant. Or man, Really, you know, that sort of... I feel like they wrote themselves into a corner and their solution was be clever. Yeah. And they did that. But like, it's clever in a way, not narratively clever. It's like a audience experience sort of thing mm. that I can see why it would work for certain people. Yeah. But narratively, I'm like, I feel like there's a whole other axe worth of stuff that I'm supposed to be getting I, right now. I've heard the movie described as like, my favorite disaster movies are, the favorite aspects of disaster movies are the is the first act of it before things just start like getting into the special effects, you know, right. heavy stuff there mm-hmm. where it's the weird shit that's happening beforehand. That's eerily creeping and looming dread. Like the phone's not working. The people are acting strange. The what? And this movie is kind of like two and a half hours of that. Yeah. Of just that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like just the weird, creepy, sinister things building okay. to something. And then, so if you're looking for the payoff of the big, like, Aha, and then this happens. It's not really it's not really doing that. And yeah, I'm with you. The, the tension, all of that, you you yeah. nailed it. Like it, it really does ratchet up the tension. The I really, really got invested in the characters. The performances were great. And again, the movie is a beautiful looking yeah. movie. It's got a great score. And the acting's good, you know. Yeah. Like the, I felt like the character dynamics were good. I think the one thing is I can't because we can't spoil the ending because people are gonna watch it. But I will say that I think that the ending is indicative, like what what uh, this particular character is chasing, yes, you know, does feel like it's saying something about like how much we are not focusing on the important things. Yes. And how this is the one thing that is most important to this person. And we've missed the whole message about why this shit happened to begin with. That's how I interpret the fair point. At least that's how I interpret fair point, you know, like, but some people just, yeah, I get it. It's, so it's like, it's either, but that either, like you said, it does. I still f- don't feel like that's an, it feels like it's missing like sure. a, uh yeah, something profound. You're not wrong though. Yeah. It's a, it, there's a payoff. There is a payoff of sorts at the end of the movie. Right. But it does promise a different ending. I will say that it promises that something else is going to happen. And again, I don't even necessarily need to see the world in. I'm just saying like, right. I, I didn't really, it's one of those things where I don't, know what I wanted exactly. I just know I wanted to walk away from the movie feel like thinking something a little more yeah substantive. Uh yeah. but uh I went to Walmart and grabbed the book just to see if that was actually the ending and in three pages before it actually does end that way. So I'm like, okay. I wonder if it works better as a read. Maybe than a film, but either way, yeah. I don't know. Interesting film though. Uh yeah. What, for me it's a one timer. I had a great time. I'm sure. glad I watched it so I can talk about it. So listeners, I mean if you're asking I hey am I gonna have a fun two hour ride Yes. Uh, do I think you're going to be talking about this in three months? No, I don't. Maybe not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last one real fast. Uh, the Mission, a documentary from National Geographic on Disney+. Plus. This was really interesting because it is uh, the documentary. It's the follow-up documentary from the folks who did Boys Town a few years ago, mm-hmm. uh, which is a documentary I quite liked a lot. 
And it follows the story about the um, missionary John Allen Chow uh, in 2018 who attempted to make contact with one of the world's most isolated indigenous peoples, the uh, Sintanese. Uh, Sintanese. I'm saying that wrong. But uh, essentially, and then he got shot with arrows. Spoiler. Yes. This is clear at the very beginning. Okay. Uh, the movie makes it very clear <laughs> from the get go. Oh, yeah, this guy died because this was a very well, dumb idea. And it was uh, a headline. What was it? Was it two or three years ago? 2018. Yeah, 2018. So about five years ago now. Yeah. yeah. It was a big story for a hot uh-huh. minute. And I, I really like the documentary. It's been getting a lot of heat online, very divisive. And maybe, uh, you know, I did grow up in an evangelical household. I am no longer evangelical. What? So I, I know. But what I'm saying, though, the movie, I feel like there's a lot of people who are not giving this movie the benefit of the doubt because mm. the movie kind of digs into the evangelical movement that sort of nurtured his yeah. uh, belief system mm-hmm. in a way that I thought was pretty even handed. It was like, yeah, this is a thing that's happening in America. This is a thing that happened to this kid. This is what attracted him to this thing. And ultimately, I think the movie comes down pretty clearly saying, yeah, the whole missionary culture thing is um, complicated. Well, uh, you know, y- yes, and it's still very. And, and one thing I appreciate about I'm, it, I'm being, I'm trying to be diplomatic when I you say are, you are, no, no, no. no. <laughs> I, I think what probably, what made it hit weird for me was that it opens with it opens from like a a bit of a like almost a eulogy um from one of his closest friends and that makes sense but it frames him as very heroic and bold and in a way and and you can interpret different ways i see it as this is somebody who's just reflecting on his friend he's not trying to like lionize you know the act of what he did but it does kind of set a weird tone where it's like wait are we are we going to be cool with this and then no it kind of switches but it has to like it, it it has this objectivity to it that you know it switches from subjects who are heavily evangelical i mean we get a lot of oral roberts university in tulsa we get a lot of interviews with people who are like conducting these like weird scenarios where it's like which was what i thought was like the most fascinating but also maybe cringe inducing part of the film was that there's american colleges that have you know, these like contacting and uncontacted tribe scenarios and oh, yeah, a yeah. bunch of white people. And we're going to act like, you know, we're people who have never made human contact and we're going to let you know when you failed or um, things like that. And at the same time, though, you get a lot from his father who is, while still Christian, very critical. He has fundamental the, disagreements with the broader evangelical movement. And yes. feel, yeah. Like kind of he basically feels like he failed his son. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty pretty sad honestly and so and that was what kind of grabbed me and brought yeah. it back around for me but i i can see that why people would be turned off by the you can't say it's like putting down mission work entirely um because at the same time it showcases some like positive work but i think yeah. more so it's harsher and i, I think I, I comes down on the harsher side i, I think so and, and that yeah. geo becomes pretty self-critical of you know it's earlier you know broadcast from like the 70s right. and so like man meets man and all of that very like um, very uncomfortable stuff now, but at the time that was like, you know, what, what Nat Geo was doing. And so I don't know, I can, it kind of endears itself to me for that, but it does, I could see where people might feel it's a little, you know, it, it almost gives too much of a spotlight to the, the, what could be considered the positive aspects of this kind of work. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I hear you. I think if you watch the documentary all the way through, I really don't think it's I think it's coming down fairly critical. Honestly, I would I would think so because uh, also interviewing like anthropologists, they interview one foreign missionary who I mm-hmm. thought had a 
mic drop moment on a guy who spent like 30 years in missions. Yeah. Um, mm. You know, so anyway, I just, some really fascinating interviews. I, I just want to say it's worth your time, especially if you grew up in a, in a home where missionary work was sort of looked at as a uh, admirable pursuit for your uh, sure. Christian uh, faith journey. T- to be fair though, I, I don't think the movie says it's totally worthless and awful, but it, it's pretty critical, I would say. So it's just, it was nice to kind of see that interrogation, what this sort of sacrifice that John Allen Chow made, larger ramifications that it could have for the future. I think they kind of hint at that a little bit as well. So um, anyway, really interesting, now streaming mm-hmm. on Disney Plus. Uh, but yeah, Daniel, Disney, la- right. Daniel, last word. Oh, just one last thing. I will say, I think at the end of the day, it, it actually, when I start to think about it a bit more, it reminds me of a documentary I liked quite a bit last year. It was an Amazon-produced one, uh, Wildcat. Um, about uh, someone, a uh, a veteran who's rehabilitating, uh, what not exotals? That's the that's the amphibian, the ocelots, and in in this film, I see that that same. You get more I, the troubled individual, and I think I appreciate how much they focus that he was somewhat aimless, and this happened to be the purpose he found. Unfortunately, it was it was fatal, but it I I, I think it has enough going for it where it's just focusing on this is what happens when maybe you have trouble finding a little bit of purpose. And, and I think that again, makes it a little bit more sincere and gets at a point where you can at least look beyond a little bit of the, the heavily evangelical like aspects of it. It's very, it examines the Messiah complex. What's yeah. the difference between faith, belief and Messiah, like having mm, your, like, yeah. like, like what is a spiritual calling versus what is you buying into your own Kool-Aid sort of thing. Right. I think yeah. the movie is pretty critical of that as yeah. well. It has it's an not, agenda. Has an agenda, mm-hmm, yeah. Sure. yeah. Which, frankly, in my mind, is part of what makes a great documentary. Yeah. I mean, you kind of have to have one, you know. It's not my favorite one I saw this year. I'll have to save that for another show, but uh, it was a very good one, worthwhile. Again, having grown up in the, uh, the way I did, it just really spoke to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, well, let's go ahead and circle back to the 2023 box office, shall we? <laughs> Before we go back and look at how we predicted things might be in 2023, I just wanted to note overall, if you're looking at the numbers, the domestic box office raked in $8.53 billion in 2023, marking a significant rebound since the disruption caused by the pandemic. However, the industry has yet to reach the pre-pandemic levels. That's partly attributed to a decrease in film releases that we've seen especially in 2021, but even in 2022. 2023 was really where it started to get back into a seemingly closer to normal cadence. Mm -hmm. With only 88 uh, movies hitting theaters in 2023 compared to 108 in 2019, studios still faced challenges in really rejuvenating that that revenues. That context, best year since the pandemic started, but we're still not fully back in terms of uh, business dollars made. Mm -hmm. Now, Longtime listeners may recall in our first episode of 2023 in which we reviewed Megan, uh, Laron and Daniel and I all made bets on what would be the biggest hits at the 2023 box office. Let's take a look at the clips. Daniel Bokemper, what are your three guesses? So a little bit similar to Josh, I've got like what I want it to be, <laughs> um, what I think it could likely be and then what i think might be a dark horse um but they're all i feel like semi-realistic uh so of course i want it to be dune part two and i think that one potentially has a shot i i doubt it will but i i think it could 
Um, I think more realistically, I think something like potentially it has competition, but I think like what might get it is like guardians of the galaxy volume three. Um, I think that has a chance. <laughs> what I would like to see do it. That still, I think could again, probably not, but I think there's a bit of an excitement built around it is, uh, across the spider verse. Laurent Chapman, what are your three guesses? Man, I'm I'm, I'm going to say this with a little trepidation now after hearing everyone else's guesses. Um, and this might be ambitious for me, but I, I feel like um, Barbie. You guys are mm. underestimating Barbie. And the reason I say Barbie is because not necessarily before the Greta Gerwig and the Noah Baumbach. That, that's going to get the film heads there. Those are like cinephiles. those are like yeah. for the cinephiles. So, but that's but that also works in his favor because if you're thinking about this as like a pie, you know what I mean. Like think about all the little sectors. You got your art house people who like movies, like art artsy folks, and then you got just the populace. Think about every little girl who what is the first toy they get when they're you know what I mean. Like Barbie is such an is so almost. Uh, synonymous with the idyllic version of what on uh, the all American girl to a lot of with a lot of problematic you know insight, but still all the same. Um, and I think that that's going to appeal to the younger generation. It's going to appeal to it's just Barbie's universal. And then also internationally because it goes everywhere. Barbie's everywhere. So I could see that being a smash hit. It might not be the number one, but I see it being a very high grossing film. My bold prediction, the Super Mario Brothers movie. Guys, Mario is as recognizable globally as Mickey Mouse or close to it. He's like an iconic character. You think people who don't play video games think about video games, they think Mario. I think it's a four quadrant film because it's animated. Let's remove the boomer generation from that. Not, I'm not trying to be constant. I'm just saying like generally speaking, that's the one demographic that I'm like, I don't know how much is this going to appeal to like my parents? Like they're not going to go see it on their own. They might take the grandkids to see it though. That said, Gen Xers, millennials, Gen Z played the hell out of Mario, Mario party, Mario car. Even still, still. I mean like the the Mario, the Mario games come out and they sell tens of millions. Mario uh, Kart eight on the Nintendo switch is the best selling game on that console. Guys, Mario is massive. So the big question I have is, is the movie good? I think if the movie is good, the critical reception is positive. People show up first weekend and then it's word of mouth and it's a mon- I think it's a monster. My bold prediction is I think Mario, Super Mario Brothers so what movie. what you're saying is it's Barbie versus Mario. Yeah. And we'll Whoa. see how this See, that's the, fi- that's the false dichotomy. They're trying to pit, uh, pit Greta Gerwig versus Chris Nolan, but I think it's going to be Mario. Is it Chris Nolan? Because uh, uh, Chris Nolan, uh, the same day as Barbie, uh, oh, Oppenheim- Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer is opening yeah. the same day as Barbie currently. All yeah. Right. Daniel, what, what, what do you have to say? Yeah, I really fucked that up. Um, and Laron is actually the the prophet prophetic one i think out of the, out of this equation um i don't know i mean we can't obviously we can't predict a strike but at the same time i do feel like maybe my fandom of dune overrode a little like not to say like dune part one was successful and a lot of people were talking about it but even now i i think it it's in hindsight 2020 but it does feel a little bit foolish i wouldn't have guessed barbie but I think thinking about it, I probably would have guessed Super Mario Brothers being one of the better films. What I did not see coming was the kind of the, the slow decline of Marvel and some superhero films mm. as a whole. Um, but especially 
you know, I, I was I, not to say Gardens of the Galaxy wasn't successful, but I was expecting. Gardens of the Galaxy 3 was honestly the only hit Marvel had. It really year. was. Yeah. And there was a lot um, to to uh, dig into. I mean, between the Marvels and then what what came out earlier? That Ant-Man. Ant-Man. And the Quantum, Wasp. Which, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't say. <laughs> Jonathan Majors coming one. out as an abusive person. No one had that on their bingo card. Right. You know? No, that no. that derails some things. But yeah, I don't know. I, I still I did not see. And it actually makes me glad that Barbie is is was as successful as it was but I did not anticipate it I knew it would be successful I did not think it was going to be that smash hit cultural phenomenon that it was I should have but yeah, I no I think it's fair Daniel you know here's the thing like I said earlier you, you could still be right maybe it'll be the winner this year we will see because I will say that I think that the slate we'll get into here in a little bit looks a lot lighter this year uh in 2024 versus 2023 Lauren Chapman um so I was feeling real good when Super Mario Brothers was a runaway hit, it was a no one else was calling that one. Like in terms of like on the internet, no one was really betting that would be yeah. a monster. But my gut, I was like, it's got built in. It's IP. Mm-hmm. It's Mario. That would it's like the Mickey Mouse of video games. Yeah. And yeah, it, it, it's short. Kids will love it. It mm-hmm. just it felt like it hit all the demographics. And I felt so validated. I was like, all right. Over a billion dollars. One of only two movies that made over a billion dollars last year. And I'm like, all right, I think I, I feel pretty good. I'm just going to sit back and not say anything too smug until this podcast right now. And then, Barbenheimer. The surprise <laughs> hit. Sm- really, the sm- surprise story of the year, one could mm-hmm. argue. Took the box office by storm. Barbie especially becoming the highest grossing movie of the year. So, LaRon Chapman, you were right. You called it. You tapped into the zeitgeist. You found the magic. Yeah. So. I won this bet many different places. Even in my household. I mean, me and Craig had a wager too. And I won't say what it was, but, (laughs) but, but I won. It was like, it's one of those things where just, I think because I I just felt the weight of Barbie, even like before it happened. Like I didn't, I couldn't have predicted Barbenheimer and I couldn't have predicted the strike, but I did feel like just the the grassroots, like just the conversations I was having around people for that year. I didn't hear about anybody talk talk about any other movie more with more zeal, like more passion than that movie. And I mean, people that I wouldn't even expect to want to see that movie. And that's where I was like, I'm hearing grown straight men tell me they're excited to see Barbie. And that that is not a demographic that this movie, I think, was targeting. And it also appealed to them, you know. It's because it's because of the talent they had. Greta Gerwig, which mm-hmm. had, <laughs> which mm-hmm. Greta Gerwig's part of the film bro culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, they like yeah. guys like Lady Bird, guys like Little Women, you yeah. know. And yeah. uh, they love some of her acting. Yeah. And uh, so when she was attached, I think it won over like kind of the cinephiles, right? And mm-hmm. it, which is separate from, uh, and yeah. I, and I think that's the. Frankly, I feel like that's the demographic that probably is the source of Barbenheimer, which is the people like, yeah. why pick one when we can do both? Yeah. Um, and they talk their girlfriends into doing a double feature, and then their girlfriends went back and saw Barbie the second and third time. You yeah. know? There yeah. are people I know who, you know, like my siblings, who may only see a film two, maybe three times a year, like in theaters, who were going to see Barbie three four times even like that's mm-hmm. that's insane to me that it's a film that that captivates people that much i didn't know how 
good the movie was going to be. Yeah, yeah that's, that's where I was That's too. what no one knew, and that's what no one could predict. And that's, yeah. what, and that's what brought people back for mm-hmm. multiples, seconds, thirds, fourths for some people. Because it very well could have been uh, Super Mario Brothers, where it made a lot of money, but it wasn't really worth anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, yeah it was a one-and-done thing. A one-and-done thing, but I really do feel like Barbie and say which will however wherever you land with it mm-hmm. is has legs and oh, it's a good movie and it's how speaking good is, to people in a know. different way than we would have imagined yeah so it's a phenomenon like literally max is like leaning into it where they're like creating whole genre categories based on themes of the movie when it also kind of tapped yeah. into reminded me a lot of the the twilight craze we had back in mm-hmm. the early 2010s you know where like women were just showing out in droves which we haven't seen in so long mm-hmm. We haven't mm-hmm. seen that kind of passion for people going to the movie theaters. And then it, it tapped into something where, again, we didn't we didn't know. We didn't have a conversation saying we needed to wear pink to go watch it. Everyone but, did. But for whatever reason, we walked up and you thought you were the coolest person. Like, I'm going to wear pink to Barbie. No one's going to do that. The whole fucking theater was yeah. in pink. Men, women, children, everybody. I was like, okay, so... But no one told us to do that. It was just, it's interesting that it just seeped into everybody's subconscious to they just it's like they programmed us. We knew what we were supposed yeah. to do without being told. Well, it's it's familiar. It's already a pre-existing intellectual property, but it was so much more mature too at the same time. Like sure. actually elev because there there have been a lot of Barbie movies. Yeah. But they've all been animated and they've all been designed to sell toys. This Barbie mm. film does not feel like it was intended to really sell any like specific merchandise or anything sure. like that beyond the film itself. There's enough criticism of the product to 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 warrant that this was supposed to be something outside of just selling toys. It did sell toys, let's be real. True, it did yeah. do that, but it also did. It also made it carved out a path for itself to exist outside of just being a mm-hmm. cash grab, if you will. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I think it's it was just a great movie. It, it, it was both just really stimulating, engaging overall in terms of the, the visual candy that you got served. But also there's a lot of really rich ideas about feminism and what it means to be a woman. Yeah. Um, the patriarchy, you know, all of it, it was there. The patriarchy. <laughs> Makes me feel, it doesn't, what is it? What was that line mm-hmm. of kids? It's like the patriarchy tells me to not feel things. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't know. I just <laughs> love that. So that's Barbie. No one saw that coming. So Leroy, congratulations. Oh, 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 wow. Leroy, this Thanks, is for guys. you. Yeah. Whole audience here just for you, man. <laughs> uh, a couple others I want to hit on here just to acknowledge. Uh, Daniel, you did say Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which, by the way, was Marvel's only hit last year. Yeah. Um, that We also got a little bit of that. Ron, you mentioned that movie as well. Um, I had said that I was betting big on the animated, the Super Mario Brothers movie, but also Across the Spider-Verse. While Across the Spider-Verse was a pretty big success, like yeah. a pretty resounding success, I think it made like around $800 million, if I'm not mistaken, I'll mm-hmm. uh, verify that. But uh, it's, I mean, and it was a great movie, but could not stop Mario and certainly could not stop Barbie. Couldn't mm-hmm. even stop Oppenheimer. It got pretty close, but couldn't stop Oppenheimer mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the day. Uh, and then here's the biggest surprise was... I mean, maybe I shouldn't be surprised. Both me and our other guest, Josh Reed, who was on that episode, had Indiana Jones 5 mm. marked down as a, a possible contender. And I think we were both really coming off of the Top Gun being the number one movie the previous year. We're thinking, yeah. oh, yeah. a movie that speaks to the older demographic, nostalgia property. I also thought the movie would be better. So there's that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we were all, all of us, except for Leron, fooled. <laughs> It's time for us to move on. And now that we've reflected on the year that was, let's look at the year ahead. 
let's place our bets for the highest grossing box office of 2024. Now, I, again, something we haven't all, we also haven't talked a lot about today is uh, I really think 2024 is going to be the year that we feel the impact of the strikes. So uh, in the new year, we're only going to have 107 wide releases. Analysts are expecting the box office in 2024 to come in at least a billion dollars under 2023's gross. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just fewer movies. Again, it's fewer movies in the marketplace, you know? Yeah. So anyway, with that said, it's time to make predictions, gentlemen, that we will revisit in this episode next year, 2025. What are your three guesses for the highest grossing movies of the year at the 2024 box office? And Leron, since you are the prophet, <laughs> You get to go first. The profit. Well, I think we're probably in consensus here on the first one. Um, but for me, I think um, we'll go back to the past. We're well, now in the future. <laughs> back to the future. Um, and say that I do think Dune Part 2 is probably going to win the year um, in terms of box office draw. You know, So um, that's probably, I think. It's the first big movie of the year. The first big movie of the year. We already pushed it off, so the anticipation is rolled over. There's not much releasing, you know, in the coming year. It it, it just feels like that that's the un, unrivaled front runner for for the win for the for the for the year. So yeah, I'm gonna say Dune Part Two as one guess. Now, am I doing all of them, or are we going around? Or, well, let's just see, Daniel. Yeah, let's Daniel, do, yeah. was your number one guess? Uh, was your number one guess Dune Part Two? No, I'm gonna no. betray myself. I don't think it's gonna be Dune Part Two. I think it will be in the conversation, and it will could be top three. But it's kind of hard for me. I actually think either the Joker sequel, Folly Do, could be up there just how well the original Joker performed. Although I, I think it's going to alienate some of I, it's going to be different. So I, I, I think my sincere pick is Deadpool three. Okay. I just think there's enough anticipation. I think that's kind of the favorite and they bring in Hugh Jackman and back, which is a winning formula for Hugh the X-Men. Jackman's back. People love Deadpool. I think it's going to be the most successful of the franchise. And I think it very well could be probably the top, perhaps of the top. Are they going PG 13? It's R. It's R. Okay, yeah. then I'm in. I'm yeah. so in. Okay. Yeah. And, so and the, again, I don't want to. In case you've been avoided spoilers so far, there's been unfortunately lots of leaks uh, oh, okay. around the Deadpool three set, and I try to avoid most of them. But all I will say is, Wolverine, uh, Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, probably not the only character from the 20th Century Fox X Men that will be showing up in Ooh, Deadpool three. Okay. So like that. with that in mind, I, I feel like they're going to have a lot of lot of to work with in terms of marketing. All right. If people are not over superheroes. But yeah. I, not, and, that not that not, one. Not that one. Well, and I say you. that because I'm excited I, I, and I've been fatigued for a while. And I feel same, like, same. well, and of the, I, I guess because it's like a Marvel Disney thing, what is the, there's only one other like Marvel Disney film coming out next. I know there's a lot of like Sony Marvel stuff, but it's Thunderbolts, right? Is that uh, the nope, only? No, no, no. Oh, is that not all of them? Got, all of them got pushed. Yeah. Deadpool is the only one. Blade 2, right? That, also. No, all, yeah, Blade's not coming out next yeah. year. Just Deadpool. Oh, Blade's a film? It's not a show? Yeah, it's a movie. Oh, okay. Solly. Yeah, but okay. It, it, got, it also got pushed. Everything except for Deadpool got pushed, which frankly, it was a very good call. I think that's going to work to its benefit. Yeah. Okay. So Daniel thinks his first pick is Deadpool three. Leron thinks it's Dune part two. I'm going to go. I'm, this is kind of cheating. So I'm picking two. I think it's going to be either. And this is bold considering Pixar movies have not done well, but I do think inside out two 
yeah. is going to make some money. People love the first one. Yeah. I love the first one. It's been a long time since we've had the first movie, so a lot of people are on nostalgia for it. And again, I'll say the same thing I said about the first one. Not only do I think the first movie is a great movie, it is actually a very utility movie. You can mm-hmm. show it to kids yeah. to help them understand their feelings. So I think there's a lot of value in that. Assuming the movie is good, yeah. and I think it has a lot of potential, lots going forward, that firstly, sure. that, that movie lends itself to to sequels. So I knew immediately in the little teaser what the new emotion was going to be. I was like, if it's not anxiety, <laughs> yeah. then I don't want it. <laughs> I also think related the other animated movie I hate myself I hate myself so much oh I know what you're gonna say the freaking minions are bad guys the freaking minions it's not a minions movie it's It's a minions four yeah it's it's despicable me four oh you're right despicable me okay fine despicable me completely different no it's the same thing (laughs) despicable me four (laughs) sorry it is the same I bet you know you're right you're right you're totally right it is despicable me four thank you for the correction I just wrote my notes minions four (laughs) minions four that is my dark movie I won't be seeing number four no I those movies make so much they do and I have a feeling that. I, uh, if you got a grading marketable character and the minions are illumination has they've got it down to an art form make the most annoying thing ever that's that's vaguely cute and people eat it up improve your quality of animation no Don't, i well catnip. mario actually looked pretty good it's catnip but, for for marketing yeah uh but yeah th- those are my top two i mean i would say the two i would say it's going to be inside out or minions for just because looking at the rundown i'm i'm looking because like last year we had there was a couple of movies you're like this is a four quadrant movie that's it, like barbie was in that conversation mario i'm looking at the other movies in the, in the rundown here and i'm like i don't think any of these kind of hit that broad of yeah. an audience i mean yeah we're excited for F- furiosa uh, but I don't think that's going to make a billion dollars. Right. You know, I, I don't think uh, the fall guy is going to make a billion dollars. You know, challengers might make $10 if we're lucky. $10. It'll be my 10. Oh, <laughs> make it 20. Um, <laughs> you know, so I just, that's why I'm leaning into animation pre pandemic. Animation was a reliable source of, uh, for hits. And I think we might see that again this year. So that's my okay. top pick. Leron, what is your next pick? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I do think Dune and Deadpool 3 are pretty safe bets in terms of being box office draws. I agree with you. I hadn't considered the animation angle in that something like an Inside Out or Illumination Studios film could take over one of those spots, if not all of it, you know. Um, but one I think that um, on the outside looking in, and this is just me thinking about the anticipation behind this particular uh, musical that mm. is releasing now in Thanksgiving instead of Christmas, um, the part one, <laughs> which mm. we're, we're back to this. It's a part one yeah. of Wicked, you know? Yes. Um, and I do think that is a very popular musical. You know what I mean? And you got the- It has a very- I a, feel a like- Huge each, following. Each it has a, yeah. it has a own, its own phenomenon. It has its own- you know, its own base in, I, in the musical theater world, yeah. and, and then the love of of Wizard of Oz, which is a beloved, you know. So, so Lauren, I, I hear you on all things. That is a great hypothesis. My counterpoint is people don't like musicals. How do I know this? Because all the studios are trying really hard to market musicals, not like musicals right now. That's very true. That's also although Wonka made money. So that's also know. very it's, true. It's weird. Bold. I like a it. Bold choice. That would be amazing, actually. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Daniel. I'm in that camp, by the way. Who wants I, to see? It? Oh no, me. No, oh no, no I want to see it. No, no. People have been wanting this particular, particular musical for okay. so long. That's particular fair point. Yes, fair like, point. So, but I get what you're saying. At the same time, 
I don't I, I don't know. I, I'm getting weird looks when I, I pick my number due. I feel like the Joker sequel will be really, really popular. I, Look, I don't know. I feel like it could because the, the power of Lady Gaga. Don't believe that. That's I mean, true. It's true. And, say what you will. The quality of the movie. Maybe it'll be better. Maybe it won't. But yeah. her being in it like she made House of Gucci better. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, and I just so. think just how I, I feel like it's at least going to have like a strong opening weekend it's probably going to be my number two for the i, I don't know predictions I, predictions yeah yeah i would okay. say your number two is the joker sequel i i think yeah okay see here's the thing i have this hypothesis and i might be wildly off base yeah and and please we will play the clip back and make fun of me next year i feel like that joker movie was kind of a fluke in yeah. the fact of how successful it was i think the sequel will be successful but that movie made over a billion dollars on like a budget of like twenty million dollars or something. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also don't know a lot of people who love that movie. No. I know a lot of people who saw it. I don't know a lot of people who love that movie. That's true. That's um, true. And I yeah. think that they're smart to go with the musical angle because it has to be so radically different for to get anyone back. In and the some theater. star power helps. But also, I agree yeah. with you. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, Daniel, th- that being said, I think mm-hmm. conventional box office wisdom, as I've been following it, matches up with what you're saying. It was a huge hit. It's got Lady, a star, bankable star, Lady Gaga. Joaquin Phoenix won an Oscar for that movie. So it, mm-hmm. I don't think you're off base, but I just my gut feeling says I, that movie is not going to be nearly as big as the first I, one. I, I do think it could alienate. Yeah, yeah I don't think it's... There's a group know. of people who are angry about the first one. Yes. So, yeah. so the question is, how angry are they? Will they give this one a shot still? Or yeah. has it lost a, a a chunk of the pie of people who would traditionally go see it? Yeah, it it remains to be seen. You know, yeah, so. I don't know. I just have a I get this vibe. Yeah, it's gonna be popular. But I think I think you might. I, be right. I, I would I, love l- to be l- wrong. Like listen, like like I said, Daniel. I don't think I do not think this is a foolish guess. I think it's a very smart, educated guess. I just and this is why I'm saying the data supports your theory. And normally I follow the data, but in this case. Something about specifically a follow-up to the Joker movie. Yeah. I just don't feel like there's a, an appetite for it. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I, you know, I didn't think there was an appetite for the first one either. So DC's was... do. They've had four <laughs> miss. What was DC's last, like, was the it ba- the Batman? The Batman, really? Yeah. yeah. The Batman. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, and, uh, you know, always the Batman, always the Batman. It's, <laughs> always uh, and the Joker's Batman. still the Batman, you know, yeah, that's true. It's true. Um, mm-hmm. my number two, Deadpool two, or sorry, Deadpool two Dune part two. Um, and the only thing I'm going to add, you guys have already made a pretty good cases. Uh, it comes early in the year. I don't think it's really got any competition. I mean, looking at other movies that the next biggest movie, uh, to compete for, uh, it's uh premium theaters that includes IMAX, Dolby, mm-hmm. all that stuff would probably be Ghostbusters uh, and mm-hmm. Kung Fu Panda on March 29th. So that's I like what the Kung Fu Panda trilogy, you know. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, fine, but I don't think it'll. No, no, no. What I'm saying is though, those are the movies that will take the premium format theaters mm-hmm. from them. So mm-hmm. those are higher rep box office revenues when yeah. they have those theaters. So I mean, I mean, that still gives it like a month. I can't, I don't think any of these other movies are going to take those theaters from them. The yeah. Fall Guy, I guess, could maybe. I doubtful. No. Yeah. Uh, and actually, the Fall Guy got de- uh, delayed. Sorry, so that's not until May. So yeah, I don't think it has any competition really. In, in, the, in the sense that it'll be the only. It's a big event movie. Mm-hmm. It comes out early. If it's good, word of mouth, people go back. People like me are going to go see it like three times. Mm-hmm. If it's good, I'm sure it will be. So yeah, uh, and again, I just attribute it to. There's not really 
another like a whole lot of movies where I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is this appeals one. to so many people. That's the so, one. Yeah. Yeah. Lebron, what's your number three? Um, so my number, well, so actually, so my, my three were actually, is actually Dune part two, Deadpool three. Oh, I and see. Wicked. Okay, okay. So those okay. are my three choices. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my last one was Deadpool three as well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Daniel, did you have, did we miss any of yours? No, my last one is Dune part two, but I, I do feel like Furiosa will probably be really successful, but I can't help but think that Despicable Me 4 is I, that's what I'm saying. Like it, I, it's it, like it's really not, hard for me to not to deny, especially how well. Not that it's the same as Super Mario Brothers, but I think it's going to. I mean, it's got that it's the people same. despicable yep. me. People love those freaking movies, man. Yeah, they seem to always make progressively more, right? And like, it, don't they seem to be like yes, more successful incrementally? I, I think so so yeah. like, this might be the yeah yeah the despicable year. <laughs> It'll be despicable, all right, if that uh, turns out. I hope I'm it wrong. It beats Dune. I hope, I, I hope deep down in my my soul, this is the year, because Pixar has just been getting beat up, because Bob yeah. Chapek, the former B- Bob CEO, was the one who they put all the Pixar movies on on uh, Disney+, and conditioned people to just expect the, that's those those caliber movies yeah. to be dropped on Disney+, Plus, and, yeah. and ever since then, the movies haven't performed like they used to. Again, I think Coco made over eight hundred million dollars. So they these used to be huge hits, and they're not. I mean, Elemental made a bounce back, bounce back a little bit. But I, I'm I'm hoping, holding out hope. Yeah. In and out too. Not only is it a great movie, but people show up for it more than they do the minions. Yes. So now, listeners, you know what our box office predictions are. Let's move on to our top three most anticipated movies of the year uh, before we wrap up with our special game of trivia. soon to a theater near you instead of us you know doing what we just did where we have the same answers i thought let's let's mix it up and make it a little more interesting so we're going to start with daniel Mm -hmm. and we're going to go around the table we name one of our most anticipated movies of the year and then leron cannot name the same movie we can discuss it at that time and then move on to the next movie leron has to pick a different one until we've named up to nine movies Okay. So Daniel Bokemper, take it away. What is your most anticipated movie of 2024? Oh, they're in a particular order. So this has to be my most anticipated I mean, one. Whatever order you want. Just you know if it's not Dune or Furiosa, Laurent or I will steal it. Okay. Because I mean, in all honesty, Dune is the one I'm looking most forward to. But uh, I want to bring up a film that I just found out about today that seems awesome and that I'm going to be there for is uh, Bong Joon Ho's newest film, Mickey 17. The. Uh, starring Robert Pattinson, the adaptation of the science fiction novel Mickey Seven about oh. a like employee servant, a, a clone of some kind. It, this feels like a combination of the uh, movie starring Sam Rockwell, Moon, a lot which I really like, and then the novel that I uh, classic novel that I just read recently. Um, even though this is an adaptation of another novel, but The Left Hand of Darkness. So this employee is sent to a icy world to try and colonize it. And apparently he's died before, hence the 17 part of Mickey. And I don't know, it just seems neat. It, it's reminiscent of Snowpiercer a little bit. And I, I love Boon Ho when he's in the like, or Jun Ho, excuse me, when he's in the sci-fi element. And this feels like it's, it's definitely going back to that. And I mean, he just has the pedigree and I, I've been wanting another film from him because he had parasite was his last one, right? Oak Oakjaw was before yes. parasite. Okay. So yeah, I, I, I'm just looking forward to it. I think it's going to have a really interesting, you know, um, surrealist aspect to it. I think 
we're going to see some really, you know, for lack of a better term, some mind fucks. Uh, hmm. And, and I don't know, I just, I like Robert Pattinson. He's generally good in everything he's in. Especially I, the boy in the heron. Come exactly. on now. And yeah, creepy in that man. Yeah. And a, a chameleon in that film. Well, a bird, I guess, but um, <laughs> kind of <laughs> a thing. No, wrong, wrong, wrong species. Yeah. <laughs> a vocal, vocal chameleon. But I don't know. I, I just, I, I think it looks cool. I know very little about it. Um, but at the same time, I, I want to go in as uh, pun intended cold as possible into this film, but it, it seems like it's going to be really cool. I, I, and again, when is there a bad June home movie? Like true. Not that I've seen that, Like no. I, I think I've seen like five of his movies and I think they're all bangers. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So this is a great call out. This was also on my list as well. Uh, this is the first one he's uh, made since he won the Oscar and you know, it was a big win. And now he has theoretically unlimited resources to make whatever he wants to make exactly. next. So yeah. what's he going to do with it? I can't wait to find out. Laurent, what do you think about Mickey 17? Um, I didn't know anything about it until just now. So I'm writing it down and I'm excited. And th- there is a, t- if you really want to, there's a teaser out. There is like yeah, a, very a, short, a very okay, short teaser. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Or you could just be like me and not watch it and, Going cold. Yeah, I've will, only seen this. I, I I probably will go in cold, but um, yes, uh, but that that is exciting. Those two names together, period, just seems you know like an exciting um, collaboration. So um, for me though, because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go with the easy ones here. I'm gonna pick movies that I don't think either one of you are gonna say. Hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, I think for me, my number one anticipated movie outside of the obvious choices. Um, one of them is Civil War. Um, oh, listen, I'm a huge Alex Garland fan. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I think we've all kind of we all have mixed reception about men, but I still In even general. even still, yeah, there's there's he's doing they're doing yeah. things that are just with with film that is really exciting and unique mm-hmm. and different takes and, and it's challenging and that whole concept and then like it just it's giving me you know what I mean. Um, I love not knowing really specifically which what what you know which two sides are fighting. I do not think the movie is going to be what it's marketed no, as. No, it never is. That's what I love about the, yeah. the, the films that he makes. So, um, so I'm that's one I'm really excited for. I'm also a huge stand for uh, Kirsten Dunst yes. and any dramatic roles. So her her and her as the lead in this is is love it is great for me. Weird I, image to see her being held at gunpoint by her husband. That's. Yeah. And why is he collaborating? Like, I, we get it. You're married. So calm down. <laughs> Aren't you guys tired of seeing I, each other at home all the time? Right? I, I did want to make, make a point about this. It did, I, not that I think it's going to be like one of the most most financially successful films of the sure. year, but I get the vibe that this could maybe be A24's biggest film. Like, it mm-hmm. seems like it maybe has at least enough intrigue going into Bigger it. Bigger than everything everywhere else wants? Mm. How much money did that one make? Over $100 million. No, um, Maybe not. <sighs> I Close. mean, I, I damn near. Now, how much say, it was made for is the question. So he, okay, this, yeah. So, so here's the thing with this this movie, guys. I actually think, from a box office perspective, it's not going to do well. I, I actually, I, th- I, I think, it, I think it could go either way. I, I get the yeah because it's it's being marketed to a couple of different demographics. It's it's just one of those. Okay, here's my problem with this. Is also my problem with this movie is, mm-hmm. I think this movie uh, is being marketed to a lot of different types of audiences. Um, including there's a certain doomsday prepper group of people out there. Yeah. We probably all know a couple mm-hmm. of these folks. Yeah. And I think they're going to be really into what's being marketed. I mean, and not the movie and that not they the movie. actually are no. yeah. yeah, yeah. I think yeah. we're going to be interested in the movie that we get, but not we're, but we're savvy enough to know, cause we've seen the other films that right. 
this can't be that. No. It yeah. can't be what this is showing. But I'm curious to see how this is going to be utilizing a story that they're telling, if it, that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Know, does, and yeah, that yeah. is also the reason, as much as I am really interested in anything Alex Garland does, always, 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 I am dreading the discourse around this movie. Yeah. So in an election year, oh, guys, come on. Oh, oh boy. sure. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, but but yes, very exciting. Yeah. Great intriguing. 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 Um, okay, so I guess we're all just going to remove the usual suspects here. So um, okay. <laughs> we're going to say nine movies that aren't Dune. We're going to not talk about either. How long can we not talk about Dune Part Two or, or Furiosa? Okay, um, how about this one, The Bike Riders, uh, the new yeah. film from Jack, Jeff Nichols? Oh yeah, yeah I got uh, pushed. That was going to be an Oscar contender. Oscar, this it was going to be an Oscar contender this year. Very excited to see. Uh, hold on, let me make sure that we look at the I get the cast right. It's the Jody Comer. I know Jody that. Comer is the big one, but we also Austin have Austin Butler, Austin Butler yeah, Tom yeah. Hardy, and the of Elvis. course, obviously, <laughs> yeah, Michael, he's still doing the Elvis voice. Uh, <laughs> Michael Shannon. I can't wait until he goes into character for the Doom Part Two character. Where he just walks around everywhere bald mm. with no shirt on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's not gonna have the voice, but he's gonna have the hip movements. I yeah. think. <laughs> I think that's what's gonna be. Yeah, Michael Shannon. Uh, we got. Uh, it looks like. Of course, Michael no, Shannon. Norman Reedus yeah. is in here. Boyd Holbrook. Yeah, it's a great cast. I really like Jeff Nichols. He did Midnight Special a while back, uh, Take Shelter before that. Uh, he's a great little director, uh, underappreciated. Mm -hmm. And his stuff's always uniquely American in a yeah. way that I appreciate. He's kind of, uh, Americana is kind of baked into the stories he tells mm -hmm. in, a, in a way yeah. I think is both endearing but also self-critical. Uh, yeah. So anyway, really excited about the bike riders. Yeah. yeah so that's going to be yeah. my first pick. Daniel, what's your second pick? My second pick is a film that doesn't have a specific release date. I believe it might, but it it will likely come out in 2024. And that is Ty West's the culmination of the X trilogy, Maxine stylized <laughs> uh, with triple triple X's for reasons. Uh, Mia Goth starring in it. This one um, from what I'm reading is going to take inspiration from Dario Argento. Um, the, the, the Jallo, Italian Jallo films. Jallo yeah. Films. So, um, it's going to be probably a little unsettling, probably very, very, uh, gory. I w I would suspect, I, but yeah, I, I, I think it's another one. They're going to market like a slasher film and it's not going to be that kind of slasher. No, film. no, 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 no. And I'm hoping for that because honestly, Pearl was so good. A X I've actually kind of like, I, I like X and appreciate it. And I think Mia Goth's performance is both. Pearl and Maxine is is good, and the fact that it's getting us to these films, I um, they work I, better in tandem. They do, yeah. yeah you kind of you really need them. X, I don't think it, I, it was. I treat it like Kill Bill one into volume one and two. It's yeah. like people love one or the other more, but I feel like as a cohesive whole, they're better as a unit. Yeah, I don't think it's just time though that will allow. I, I get the vibe. I don't know. I haven't seen it, and I know very little about it. Um, but I do think Maxine will probably be able to stand on its legs a little bit better. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm just excited for it. These, these films have been really refreshing and different and unique. And I think mm -hmm. he, I think West really understands what he's doing. And Mia got, cause I think, I feel like goth maybe co-wrote Pearl. Yeah. She, yeah. she helped with that. Yeah. So just the two of them combined so much creative synergy there. And I, I'm just excited. I, I think that what we've seen of the stills already, it looks really good. And I'm, I'm just, again, Gonna be there for the ride. Yeah. Daniel, you and I saw X together and uh did we see Pearl together too? I think we might have, right? 
I don't know if we saw Pearl together. We saw X together uh, for sure, and we yeah. were we were hooting and hollering at the screen. I remember. Let's do a movie night when Maxine comes out. Yeah, sure we'll get a date for that. We soon. should. Yeah. Well, there's. I have this vibe. It won't be. I wanted to get a theatrical release, but I feel like since Max recently acquired the A24 license, there's a lot of mm-hmm. Max Maxine mm-hmm. potential. Uh, I don't. Know. Oh, please but don't. I mean, I don't want it to release on streaming. But there's like, I have this like. I'm not they, trying to. Man- I'm not manifesting this. You can edit this out. Listen, don't let it get into the world. But I, I feel like that might be a thing. Uh, I, I here's the thing. If this was under the former. Uh, Warner Brothers regime of AT and T. I would say, yeah, that's a surefire thing. Yeah, we live under the Dayzaslav regime of uh, mm. of uh, Warner Brothers. And while I generally think that's a net negative, like wildly, he is a big fan of theatrical because he can make money that way. Yeah. So uh, I, I think it's safely, especially with the last two films performing as well as they did. I think it's a safe bet. It'll be in theaters first. Good. But then it'll be on. Right. Then they'll and market then, the hacks. Yeah. Yeah. Maxine, they'll rebrand Max. For mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm very excited. Pearl was something with Jim last year, or I guess in 2022. So I uh, can't wait to check that out. The Ron Chapman. Uh, my second choice is uh, Luca Guadagnino's Challengers. I have been excited for this movie all year, and then learned that you know that that was one of the that was in fact the first movie I, I heard announced being pushed to the following yeah. year. Also, I think coming out sometime in March, April area that mm-hmm. that time frame. Um, I'm look, I'm, I've been since after watching euphoria and becoming a, a huge fan of, of, of the ascension of Zendaya's, you know, dramatic chops, you know, mm-hmm. outside of, you know, the more, the higher IP type of things like Spider-Man. I think that she's actually a really good dramatic actress and, um, mm-hmm. taking really bold, you know, um, edgy and compelling choices. Um, this looks like you know the the right marriage of what she's capable of, and and I'm I'm very curious to see what that movie's bringing um, in terms of you know um, heat because there seems to be a lot of heat in the trailer. Um, so if 2023 brought back sex, then this is going to be you know 2024 will start the sex will come back for that. Well, so, well you know <laughs> yeah. look at the what Luca did for Timothy Chalamet for example. Yeah, he yes. made him the biggest one of the biggest sex symbols in the world right now. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's kind of yeah. Got everyone to listen to Sufjan Stevens too. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Feel very vindicated yes. Yes. with that. But uh yeah, and honestly bones and all. I I, I enjoy that really, quite a bit. Really I know Caleb I, I was a little cooler on it. I didn't hate it though. I, I just yeah. love it. I was very I felt very I, I was very detached from that movie in general. Okay. And it, and then also the, some of the performances took me out of the movie a little bit. Oh, life's never dolly was solely. About that one. See? That was the one that's the one he couldn't do. Yeah, not yeah. But Mark Rylance, I love I love him. I love him so much. It worked for me because he's so strange. It was in just menacing. Well, he just committed and it was that way. Yeah. Commit. I give kudos to him. Kudos to him. Yeah. great pick. Um since we're just gonna, you know. Follow suit and not pick Let's the, just I, say, like for for listeners, we are all most in, excited to see Dune and Furiosa. Yeah, yeah. But we're trying to highlight the other films well, here. But let's okay. talk about the movies that we know. And I feel movies. bad because I think I'm stealing one of Daniel Daniel's Thunder. Oh, uh, what is it? Uh, okay, so Christmas Day, no. 2024. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Have you ever wondered what the hell could Robert Eggers make after uh, what was his last one? The uh, uh, The Northman. The Northman. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. What could he do after The Northman? 
um, maybe he can make Nosferatu. He can make a remake of Nosferatu where Bill Skarsgård, the it clown himself, count, is going to play Count Orlock and Nicholas Holt is going to play Thomas Hutter. We also have a supporting cast of Lily Rose Depp, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, uh, Willem Dafoe, of course, because you can't have a Nosferatu movie without Willem Dafoe. I don't know if you can have a Robert Eggers movie anymore without Willem Dafoe. He's just going to be there. Can't yeah. wait. He's, prof- he's playing a character n- named Professor Albin Eberhardt von Franz. So, you know, I'm there. But yeah. Willem Dafoe is like the Johnny Depp to Tim Burton. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. bringing him in every time. Oh, yeah. You know, and he just crushes it every time. And maybe one of these days we'll consider maybe giving him an Oscar. Maybe. One day, uh, but no, I'm just really excited for this. It's 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 good counter programming for Christmas, I, especially this Christmas. I I mean I haven't seen everything. I still haven't seen Color Purple, and not full disclosure. But I just felt pretty underwhelmed by the the offerings of both Thanksgiving and Christmas this year. What, too been, much happiness, too uh, much joy <laughs> for you, Kale. Uh, no, I, I I the Born the Heron was pre Christmas, and so yeah. was Godzilla. Those were both great, and then we got to Christmas, and then it was like, hey, what about a mediocre superhero movie? And hey, how about a yeah. Not soulish studio cash grab, just a studio cash grab with a little bit of soul and chocolate, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm loving this low-key counter-programming. Uh, it's going to be horror, k- kind of. It's going to be dark. It reminds yeah. me of the day back when you could go to see Les Mis or Django Unchained right across the hallway from each other during Christmas, and that's how it should be. So I'm excited to see it on Christmas it, Day. It just feels like the if Robert Eggers was to do a remake of anything. So why um, not October? You know, because you can't do counter programming in October. Yeah, you can't that. when everyone's sure. expecting the vampire. That's true. Right. <laughs> true. Okay, guys. Good. You know, just, you know, just making sure you guys. <laughs> well, hey, you know. I saw saw X actually. You know, it used to be literally the marketing uh, tagline was it must, it must be Saul. And they're like, what if we moved it to September? And it actually made a bunch of money this year. So you know, sometimes yeah, the obvious pivot. choice. Pivot. Yeah. Exactly. Huh. I don't know. It just feels like the film. It's kind of like the only other director who was recently confirmed to do this film. Hopefully it still happens or it should be. I think it's greenlit. But, you know, I always thought Del Toro doing a Frankenstein would be incredible. And mm-hmm. again, I think the only other parallel or, or analogous I could think of is, is Robert Eggers directing a Nosferatu. And then also Bill Skarsgård, who else would be Count Orloff. Um, he just looks <laughs> He's got the look, man. He just looks like him. Did you ever see? Did you ever see that movie from like twenty years or so ago? It was like was it Shadow of the Vampire or something? Where Willem Dafoe was also in it. It was like about the Dafoe John Malkovich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, He actually is a vampire guy. So I just need you to know this. Yeah, because Willem Dafoe. Yeah, Willem Dafoe was Max Max (laughs) Fleck or yeah, yeah, whoever the actor is. But uh, anyway, I'm I'm excited. Uh, so yeah, I didn't want to steal your thunder, but also that I in terms of obvious ones, you know, Challengers was my next pick. So Lamar grabbed that one from me. So Daniel Bokemper, that brings us to number three. So we're we're not <laughs> okay. Let's just get it out of the way. Can we just let's just get it out yeah, of the way. It's like hard not to. We're uh, okay. So uh, let's you know we've talked. I about have Doom. more. We I have, have other ones. I know. Let's just get this out of the way. Let's all get out of our system, and we'll do uh, one more quick round when we name stuff. Okay, okay guys. Okay, guys. We're getting a sequel to the greatest action movie of the last <laughs> decade, Mad Max Fury Road. Or I say sequel, a prequel. Yes. Okay, and it's got Chris. Uh, I mean, we've got uh, Anya Taylor Joy, who looks like she's doing something interesting, and then Chris Hemsworth <laughs> is really leaning into his type. He, in fact, looks like Thor. And wearing a big cape, you know, which works. Come no, on, yeah. This is about the only other setting outside of uh, the Marvel universe that that would work. But yeah, it feels very appropriate. But yeah, I don't know. It's just that frenetic energy, just that wild border. I mean, I 
it's not a comic book movie, but like it, it feels like what a comic book movie kind of should be with that energy. And it's just uh, so vibrant. It's and red she, hot. Yeah. It's, is, given... it's just so cool. That mm-hmm. character for yours. And I actually wondered initially when people were wanting a film, a Furiosa centric film or something like that. I part of me kind of wonder was like, I feel like that character was pretty contained within Fury Road. I felt like that was, I mean, definitely it was more her movie. It wasn't, it wasn't really a Mad Max movie, but at the same time Mm -hmm. it felt like that. I didn't know if I needed much more of that character out of risk of squandering her, but I, I do not think that's going to be the case with this. I mean, George Miller said he had a whole backstory mapped out during the press tour for that movie. Yeah. And so I, I think this one is, um, I'm pretty confident it's going to live up to the hype and at a bare minimum, you, you put a bunch of, you know, you put a demolition derby out in the middle of the desert and, you know, a bunch of explosions and a, I don't know if we'll get a fire tornado, but we'll probably get something <laughs> equivalent to that. I have heard it's not a, unlike Fury Road, I've heard it's not a chase movie. Okay. So something Incredible. to keep it, keep in mind. I, my, my biggest concern with this movie is the expectations. Yeah. Because, you, yeah, because I mean, Mad Max Fury Road is, is one of, if not my favorite movie like oh. ever made. Oh, I, I moved it. It's in a different, okay. it's, it's, it's over here. I used to have a poster in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I, uh, I was looking for it. It is among, it's like in my mind, it's like that Terminator 2, like it's one of the greatest action movies ever made, like bar none. I, I still think I watch it. It's easy to watch. Yeah. So to make a prequel to that. Pretty ambitious. Pretty ambitious. But also. But at least it's from the people that, the only people that could do it. Really. Right. Right. You know right, what I mean? Right. Like so. So I'm I'm excited. LeBron, anything else you want to add about Furiosa, sir? Nah, just see it. I mean, I'm I'm here. I'm locked in. There's no like, there's no unless it sucks. There's th- there's no reason I'm not there opening night. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. So I'm excited. Yeah. Oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna start like a regular movie night, guys. So you're invited to that mm. one after. Okay, okay, and then just for the record, Doom Part Two. We excited. We're all excited. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all gonna do a podcast in which we we reunite. So we'll have uh Daniel Bo Kemper will be back, Dalton Stewart, Joe, and and Laron. For whatever reason, you were not available when we did that one last time. So we're gonna do a full five person podcast on Doom mm. Part Two. Okay. Full crew. Okay. Right. So look forward to that, listeners. Coming in March. That said, Daniel, what's a movie that's not yeah, either of those movies? <laughs> um, so I'm curious about Alien Romulus. Um, that's from uh, Fide Alvarez. He d- did the 2013 Evil Dead film, which was surprisingly mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. And also bleak. Yeah, very bleak. Yeah, it wasn't. It was a happy movie. Who would have thought? Um, and I, Don't Breathe, I think, is his as well, yeah. which I really. And I don't know what I know about alien Romulus is going to take place between alien and aliens. And it's not a part of the, whatever tangent was created Prometheus Prometheus, and then alien covenant. And um, it's going to be, I think a more it's, it's going to go back to the alien roots. And honestly, with the precedent set by don't breathe, I feel like the, I guess antagonist of that film, even though he was kind of the victim, but he was actually the antagonist, the the blind (laughs) That that film's yeah, it's got it sends mixed signals. But the blind uh, Vietnam vet, the way he moved around, the way he created, I was like, wow, this director just knows yeah. how to create a very claustrophobic, a very contained, suspenseful. Space. Yes, yeah. And I feel like it's time for Alien to go back to that. And go and back I, to, and I, go I, back to Ridley Scott's original. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And so Ridley Scott has blessed the film. I mean, he's yeah. a producer, so he's going to. Yeah, but, and he, you know. he's busy directing something else that we can talk about if you want. But um, the uh, which I do not. Uh, 
Can no. I? I don't want to take anybody's thunder if someone who's going to mention it. I'm, I I'm, I was going to mention Gladiator Two, Daniel. Okay. No, I wasn't. No, no. I Are wasn't. you not entertained? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I feel like that one might be a a, a, a Gladiator Fire, uh, maybe or. Something. I mean, Paul Mescal. Eh. I'm here for the cast. It does have like a cast. I, I just know. I don't know. Don't know what the, I, don't I, just, we, I don't think we need. It. I don't know what it means. To your point, Why? I just want that third alien movie, the th- third Prometheus movie. I just want that. That's what I want him to make. Yeah, well, Romulus won't be that. But nope. um, no, <laughs> but it'll it'll probably be kind of. Co- I, I'm no, no, I'm exci- I am excited for this movie too. I, yeah. I'm anytime that aliens, one of those things that I, I feel like. You know, it's not always good. Yeah, but it's always interesting. Always I don't. Interesting. I don't think there's been an, it's like the Freddy franchise. It's like they're yeah. not all good, well, but they all got ideas. It, it, you know, even yeah. if you go back to was it Alien Resurrection, the fourth one, like mm-hmm. not a good movie at all. Weird movie. Yeah. Interesting. There's something about the xenomorph too. It's just compelling. It, it taps into that weird like reptilian part. People of our will brain. take interesting bad ideas better than they will just bad movies yeah and, or boring know, movies. So, or boring That's movies thing, so yeah. yeah if it's at least interestingly bad or just solid then we'll be happy mm-hmm. you know? all right well uh, i'm i'm excited for more alien daniel i think that's a great pick to, to run us out here Lamron chapman um my third pick is going to be one that was also pushed to this year i was excited for it and then it got pushed um was uh richard linkletter's hitman i think is what it was called with the glenn is it glenn powell glenn, not glenn powell uh it, Howard, uh, the other one, Howerton. Uh, oh, he's in that anyone but you movie just now. Yeah, 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 Glenn Powell. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, heard really good things out of the festival circuit with that one. Um, here, it's a really a good action comedy, but like not in the cheesy way, but like in a very like grounded sort of way. And so, I'm excited to to see that one as well. I think that's a great pick. I'm. You know, I did miss uh, Linklater's most recent movie. It was the uh, Apollo Eight and a Half or whatever. I, I didn't. Mm-hmm. I never got around to that one. I heard it was quite good, but mm-hmm. uh, I generally am there for anything he makes. He he just he has a way to capture just the human experience in such a way that feels so empathetic and true to life. You know, it's great. Whatever, and he's really creative. Yeah, whatever genre he makes, no matter what it is, if it's a biopic, if it's like an Aaron Brockovich or a whatever, like mm-hmm. it's not just a biopic. You know what I mean? Like it has a naturalistic tone to it where it does feel like you're watching real people do real things yeah and so it, he makes genre films and like boyhood like, he actually literally spent like 12 <laughs> years making the movie or, guys, or 17 years or whatever yeah. it was yeah it's nuts uh man you guys took some good ones uh okay i'm just gonna throw two out really fast just because one is one that i think people probably know about but i'm actually quite excited for it looks fun it is the fall guy um, mm-hmm. I, I just, I really like this highlighting the stuntman thing. I guess it's based on a TV show or something. Mm-hmm. I, I'd never seen it, but I love the cast. Um, this is Chad, uh, not Chad, uh, David Leach, the other half of the John Wick. And listen, we all saw Bullet Train and it wasn't the best, but I had a lot of fun with Bullet Train. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was entertaining. It was entertaining. entertaining. I don't, I'm not expecting this movie to be like, blow my socks off and like a, Mad Max Fury Road kind of way, but it looks like a good comfort food, action comedy. I'm thinking like a fun. Lost City. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, like yeah. The, 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 that mid-budget kind of um, romancing the stone kind of vibe, you know, like, but with Hitman, you know, like. Yeah, no, that, that's what I'm saying. I, I, again, is it going to be, it, it, might, it might be, it might be, yeah, stunt, the, the stuntmen. Again, we're highlighting the fact that the people from John Wick are actually all secret agents, and we should all respect that for real. <laughs> um, no, but anyway, it looks fun. Uh, I mean, like, so here's the cast. Ryan Gosling, Emma Blunt, Winston Duke, Aaron Taylor Johnson, 
Stephanie Hsu. I mean, come on. Yeah. I just, it, it's that sounds weird. like a good time. W- yeah. Was this the same director that did no, the Bob Odenkirk Nobody or No Name or what was no. it? So. Or was that the other half of the John? I feel like that was um, somebody who was associated with John Wick. Yeah. But I don't think it was. No, no. He did. Atomic, this is the guy did uh, Atomic Blonde, Deadpool 2. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hobbs and Shaw, Bullet Train. Yeah. Okay. And now he's doing The Fall Guy. Um, and then, and then I think the more indie one though. So anyway, I, I don't know something about it. it it's not going to be great, but I, it looks fun. It looks fun. It's kind of like the Dungeons and Dragons. For the, I'm kind of hoping for that sort of energy uh, for me this year. Um, but I also have to call out. We have a new film from Ethan Cohen, Drive Away Dolls. This is the one half of the Cohen brothers. Um, he most recently did the the uh, tragedy of Macbeth, uh, which was a great little film he did for Apple. So this one looks like kind of like a queer comedy. So anyway, I'm pretty pumped about it. Uh, well, well, guys, my hour long podcast failed miserably, <laughs> miserably. You guys have, you guys have a hard out. You need to meet. No. Okay. No, no. Oh, okay. Cool. Cool. I'm here to win. You're here to win. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to our, for the final segment today, uh, which is going to play some trivia. So this is our, our inaugural edition of what I'm going to call our annual sneak peeks episode where we preview the new year. And you've heard us talk about box office, about movies we're excited about. We talked a little about last year. To round out our show, we're going to do trivia to see how much each one of our hosts knows about the upcoming slate of movies and to give you, the listener, a sneak peek at what's in store uh, for you at the cinema next year. We've talked about a few of the movies that might be answers and say questions, but there's been several movies we have not talked about. So here are the rules. There are going to be 15 questions followed by a final round. Each correct answer is going to be worth one point. The part I'm going to moderate with the participants being Mr. Bo Kemper and Mr. Chapman uh, across the table from me, respectively. Contestants are going to, so they're going to, you can't see this uh, on audio, but they have a sign they're going to raise up and I will call them out. Whoever raises the sign first, I will call their name out and then they will answer the question. If they get it right, they get the applause. They get it wrong, sad trombone. And they get flogged afterwards. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm going to die. <laughs> Naked no. in the rain. <laughs> in case you need a lifeline, you guys have three of them. That is three lifelines for 15 questions, all right? You get total of three clues, so to speak. The first one is you get an actor or actress named from the movie. The second one is a you get a genre, or the third is a director. So if, they don't, if they're at a loss... They raise their hand, they're at a loss, they can play one of those three, but they can only play it once throughout the entire game today. And then in the final round, you're going to wager your points, and if you answer correctly, you'll double the number of points that you wager. Jeopardy style. And the winner gets bragging rights, obviously, Mm -hmm. and also the opportunity to host this trivia game in 2025, or if you don't feel like hosting, you can always nominate someone else, which could be a lot of fun to host in your place. Gentlemen, are you ready? Born ready. You picked a beautiful hill to die on. (laughs) (laughs) First up, question number one. What Sony movie, originally scheduled for 2023, features a surprisingly impressive supporting cast, including Russell Crowe, Ariana DeBose, and Christopher Abbott? LaRon. (laughs) Is it ISS? 
off to a good start. Craven the Hunter. Daniel Bokemper gets a point. All right. And my sign is heavier Thanks. because of Caleb's head. Uh, listeners can't see. Lauren Chapman is holding up a Nicolas Cage uh, sign. And this is also the emotion I'm feeling. He's he's angry. <laughs> he's very angry. He's very angry. <laughs> and uh, Daniel Bokemper has the misfortune of holding. Um, my assess is a movie with Ariana DeBose in space, right? I saw uh, something very similar. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yes. But it doesn't have Russell Crowe and it's not Sony. Got it. No. no right. Yes. Correct. <laughs> All right. So question number one goes to Daniel Bokemper. Question number two. What upcoming prequel to a remake of an iconic 90s movie follows the rise of a king played by Aaron Pierre and his jealous younger brother played by Kelvin Harrison Jr.? We are stumped. (laughs) Who wants to use a get-out-of-jail-free card? I will use a... You gave us an actor already, so... I'm going to say if you ask for the actor there. So I named the main stars. The supporting cast may, in fact, be a little more enlightening. Okay, I will ask for an actor, a supporting actor. All right. So Lauren's asking for an actor. Uh, The film co-stars Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner. I'm severely stumped. How do I not know this movie? Daniel. Any ideas? Can you give the description one more time or the question one more time? And uh, listen carefully. Mm -hmm. What upcoming prequel to a remake of an iconic 90s movie follows the rise of a king played by Aaron Pierre and his jealous younger brother played by Kelvin Harrison Jr.? No one gets any points if I have to give you guys the answer. Yikes. No points. Are we stumped? Or do you want to? Or you can use another clue. Can I just throw out a, a no penalty for guessing wrong? No. Well, Leron, you called it first. Throw out anything you want, if you want. No, no. Here he. I have nothing. He, oh, you you admitted you have nothing. I have nothing. <laughs> this is for sure, Daniel. Well, then of course it's um, it's not anything to do with coming to America or Beverly Hills Cop or anything that. No, it is not. Okay. Oh wait, Leron. Well, no. I, oh no, it's already it's already over. It's already over. You guys yeah, lose. Done. You guys both lose. But, but Leron gave me a look. No, no, okay. I, was it? it was a look of the answer, I forgot about that movie. <laughs> the answer is Mufasa, The Lion King, which is releasing in theaters on December twentieth. Oh. No, yeah. it's because the movie's unnecessary. I didn't think <laughs> it needed yeah. to exist. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those where you're like, this. Are, why is this existing? Are they still doing the hyper realistic like? I'm yep. sure. Yeah. Hyper realistic. Yeah. It's also a musical too. Oh, that'll do well. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. So no points awarded on that round. Uh, Seth Rogen should have gave it. That, I thought. That I really, thought Seth Rogen. I see, I, but I was thinking people. So I. Was, I so that the Lion King for my brain. Though. I should have asked the genre, and that would have helped. It would have. Yeah, because so, I was going to give uh, you. Or if you'd asked for director Barry Jenkins. Yeah, I would have yeah. got it. Well, mm-hmm. see, that's a little more interesting. You yeah. made Moonlight. So I'm, okay, maybe. Yeah, it'll, yeah. Maybe it'll be yeah, okay. something. It's something. All right. On to the next one. Question number three. So again, we are currently at one zero with no points awarded for question two. Daniel Bokemper is up. Number three. What film shot in Oklahoma in 2023 will serve as a big screen follow-up to a beloved 90s classic? Daniel Bokemper. Twisters. That is correct. That one is painful. I was just too slow. It was too slow, man. It was just too slow. His hand was up sorry. first. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but that one was painful. I, I feel I like I, I waited. 
I kind of raised on the last syllable. So mm. Twisters is releasing in theaters on July 19th, 2024. It stars Glenn Powell, Daisy Edgar Jones, and Anthony Ramos, and is directed by Lee Isaac Chung, who most famously did Minari. And also it is a, in Oklahoma. Also in Oklahoma. And it is a disaster film. I have one wish for this movie. I hope we see a bunch of cows being thrown at the Devon Tower and like riddle it <laughs> like machine gun fire or something. If we can get that visual, I do not care how bad the movie is otherwise. Can we just get something bad happening to the Devon Tower? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Goodness. Wow, this guy. Bi- they were shooting. I mean, they, Anthony Ramos was down here at Lyric Theater a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So it's right in our backyard, guys. I think they might still be filming even, maybe. Yeah. So the score is 2-0, Daniel Bokemper, going into yes. question number four. This is not how I saw my year going. <laughs> <laughs> question number four. What upcoming video game adaptation will bring the shoot and loot subgenre to the big screen in 2024? Right. Laron got it first. Uh, uh, Go ahead. Uh, okay. All right, Laron. Gosh, it's a Borderlands. It is. Oh, that's it. Borderlands. Yeah. With Eli Roth directing, Eli right? ju- it is, stars Jack Black and Kate Blanchett, along with Jamie Lee Curtis and a whole bunch of other folks, directed by Eli Roth, and it is a sci-fi fantasy film coming to theaters on August 9th. Okay. All right, two one. Moving into question number five: What 2024 release is a long rumored follow-up to a 1987 classic that will reteam a beloved auteur and movie star? Hint: Their last collaboration was a Disney. Film in 2019. Laron. Is it Beetlejuice? Beetlejuice. All right. Two. Beetlejuice 2. Excuse me. Beetlejuice 2. Wrong. It's wrong. Disqualified. Hit the the negative one. Hit the negative sound. Beetlejuice 2 is a gothic horror comedy starring Michael Keaton and Tim Burton releasing on September 6th. And don't forget that Jenna Ortega. But, oh yeah, making some waves. Making some waves. Winona Ryder reviving her role. She's also mm-hmm. in there back, and so is Catherine O'Hara as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's move on to question. Then we're at tie game Shit. two and two on question number six. What upcoming 2024 remake stars a role previously filled by Patrick Swayze as a bouncer at a roadside bar? Daniel Roadhouse. Yeah. If Dalton Stewart were here, he would Roadhouse Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're so back, baby. <laughs> so that is Roadhouse. It's going to be released on Amazon Prime Video on March 21st and stars Jake Gyllenhaal, directed That's by right. Doug Lyman. Uh, action movie. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'll be honest. I do not have any affinity for Roadhouse, but I do like me some Jake Gyllenhaal and Doug Lyman. So I'm there. Three, two. Question seven. What dystopian 2024 movie reunites one of Hollywood's most unexpected married couples who previously made waves at the 2022 Oscars when they both... Laurent. <laughs> Sorry. Civil oh, War. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, there we go. You said married couple. I was like, oh, I got it. Ah, damn it. So Civil War releases in theaters April 26, 2024. The couple in question is Kirsten Dunst and Jesse Plemons, directed by Alex Garland. It is an action war movie. Both nominated for Oscars Both nominated for, for Oscars. the power of the dog. That's right. Question number eight. What 2024 movie from the director of the Underworld series follows a woman hunting her family's killers with a supporting cast, including Norman Reedus and Lance Reddick in a posthumous role? Ooh. Daniel Bokipper. The ballerina. Yeah! Daniel Bokipper. I'm about to pirouette 
on this podcasting table. <laughs> this is uh, Ballerina, which is the John Wick spinoff, which is releasing in theaters on June 7th, starring Anna de Armas. Directed by the Underworld director, Lynn Wiseman. That, I did not even connect the dots there, but. I knew this was going to be one of the questions, and I still failed miserably when you asked about it. It was only the synopsis bit. Yeah, the synopsis threw me off because he said. Well, because I was trying to figure out how to, because I was, I originally thought about putting the word spinoff in there. I was like, that's going to get That would have dead, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, well, no one, no one's looking at Lynn Wiseman though. So, uh, you know, got to keep you on your toes. Yeah, yeah. So we are at. Or three, Daniel LeRon, on question nine. Which trilogy capper, expected to release in 2024, is set in the 80s and includes... LeRon. Got it. Max scene. (laughs) He mispronounced it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay. I was like, if you know, I don't need to wait for the end question. uh, I know this question. We are uh, 4-4. Fair play. Question 10. What reboot franchise from 20th Century Studios is releasing its fourth entry set nearly 300 years after the previous film? Repeat the question. I got it. I got it. Uh, This one's got a lot of prepositions in it. Uh, (laughs) The Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Is that it? Or the Planet of the Apes? That is Kingdom of the the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Daniel Go on for five. Kingdom, Apes, Planet. Also... That's probably one of my anticipated movies for next year, for this year too. I forgot about, yeah, I, but not maybe not top five, but the the well, trilogy is so good the, that I, I the trilogy is so good, but Matt Reeves good. is also not attached to this one, so oh. I'm 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 not saying it's gonna be bad. I just uh, I yeah. I'm a little more trepidatious versus sure. the last two of them, which that's, were excellent. You that's know? fair. Yeah, got five four Daniel Lebron. What 2024 Netflix movie will serve as the fourth entry to a buddy cop franchise last seen in 1994? Laron. Bad Boys 4. Sorry, Lauren. We saw Bad Boys for Life just a couple of years ago. So I heard there was a new one, but maybe not. No, there, there is, is a new one. one. There is a new one, but it's but, not this one. Okay, let's <laughs> see. Let me repeat the question. Yes. What 2024 Netflix movie will serve as the fourth mm. entry to a buddy cop franchise last seen in 1994? Yeah. That, that was an intentional bait and switch, by the way. I is see it, that. I just got stuck on Buddy Cop in this year. Is it Beverly Hill Cop's F or something? Or a Beverly Hill Cop sequel? I'll give it's, it to you. I'll give it to you. What it, is the title? It's, it is, it's Beverly Hill Cop's F, it's, right? It's Beverly Hills Cop Axel F. Axel F. Because his name's Axel. Yeah. Oh, that checks mm. out. Well, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Because oh, I, I would, because that was, then the clues would have helped you with that. I was manipulated. I just want you to know. For the record. <laughs> for the record. You got a whole, sometimes you got to listen to the whole question. You got to listen to the whole question. Call, yeah. call collusion. Call collusion. Collusion. Oh my God. Uh, question number 12. The voice of Mario was controversially cast as the lead in what upcoming film based on an iconic newspaper comic strip? character I know the actor but I don't know the Archie no did you raise is that a race Archie uh, okay okay you can have it okay. he can have that okay. <laughs> um meanwhile Daniel um bugle Bailey bugle Bailey beautiful the 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 army one I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> what the, I, okay. 
I think he needs a point removed because of that. No. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, so the answer is uh, Garfield. The Garfield movie yeah. is releasing in oh. theaters on May 24th, starring Chris Pratt, directed, directed uh, by Mark yeah. Dennell, and uh, it is an animated comedy. That, that's the one with the baby Garfield. It's like a kitten Garfield, right? Or something. I don't know. Okay. I don't care. I just know he's Garfield, and there's a Garfield movie coming. <laughs> <laughs> Question number 13. So no points awarded for that one. Uh, current score is 6-4 uh, with Daniel Up. Mm. What is the name of the upcoming 2024 movie that is the first film from the director who made history when he won Best Director at the 2020 Academy Awards? Laron. Mickey 17. Yes, Mickey 17 is releasing in theaters on March 29th, starring Robert Pattinson from director Bon Joon-ho. For the record, guys, I want to say I learned about this movie on this podcast. I know. I, I learned about it today, and I fed it to you. Oh, I man. fed you the answer. Good call. Um, we'll find out. on my paper. I know. The if, answer was right. If one of you two, I cannot wait to see if, one, if you guys get either one of these, okay? What are we at? What's the score? We're, we are currently five, six, at 6-5. Six, Daniel's up. Okay. Uh, and okay. you know what? It's okay, guys. You guys, gonna... there was a couple. So you guys missed. There were no points award. I actually have some bonus questions here just in case this were to happen. Mm. So, we, you know, we're going to get to 15 one way or another. All right. Okay. So I don't know if you're going to get this one, though. Uh, question number 14. <laughs> what two-part film? Releasing in 2024 was cited as one of the reasons the Yellowstone star Kevin Costner left the show. Daniel Bokemper. Um, the name. It's two parts. It's like. Okay. Yeah. I told you that already. <laughs> you did. Yeah. No, no, no. I know. Um, but yeah. And yes, Kevin Costner. Um, it's like American Horizon or. Her- Her- I probably, if I get it wrong, don't give it to me. But it's like American Horizon part one and two, right? It is Horizon and American Saga part one and two. Yes. <laughs> it is a passion project. It is directed by Kevin Costner, starring Kevin Costner, Sierra, uh, Sienna Miller, Sam Worthington, and a crapload of other actors. It is an epic Western. This is something he's apparently been trying to make since the 80s. So mm. we'll see how it goes. Good one. Uh, good, good call, Daniel. Holy cow. I can't believe you got that one. <laughs> Another one I learned about today. All right. Another two I learned about Question today. about number 15. Score is 7-5. Oh, man. Painful. You got a chance. What 2022 Danish horror movie is being remade by Bloomhouse using the same title as the uh, Daniel Bokemper? Speak No Evil. All right. Mm. That one was no. That one was. Do you, Daniel, do you remember? Do you remember when you were freaking out about how you were going to get stomped in this game? <laughs> uh, I was just my reflexes are too slow, guys. The ruse, cruise. I blame the booze, but it's fine. Okay. Well, here's I got some just good kidding. news for you. Uh, so the score is now eight five, and uh, we, I do have a couple of. Uh, Bonus questions to make up for the ones that we had to, to miss out on. Question number 16, bonus round. What film, originally scheduled for 2023, was inspired by a 1967 photo book of the same name and reunites Michael Shannon and a, Daniel Bookkeeper? The Bike Riders? All right. Daniel's 9 5. Not looking promising, guys. In nine to five. Okay. Nine to five. Laron, you gotta get this. Laron, you gotta get this That's next a one. Gay hate crime the way you just did that. I, I think- wow. <laughs> <laughs> he sings the song to my peril. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Laron, no. you gotta get this next one. Otherwise, Daniel could bet nothing and still beat you next round. And you don't want that. Life. That is true. You don't want that. That is true. Uh, okay. 
But I will take I will take my loss if I if it is in fact one. Okay. So final question before we go to the final round. The penultimate question, you could oh. say. What twenty twenty four film is a sequel that comes out twenty four years after the original film? Daniel Bokemper. <laughs> Gladiator two. <laughs> All right. Daniel Bo Kemper went. He's got 10 to 5. All right. Okay. Going all in. No, just. <laughs> I mean, if you go all it doesn't I matter. I kind of want. You got, okay. Okay. So here's what you yeah. could do. Yeah. Uh, if Daniel bets nothing and LeBron bets everything and LeBron gets it, uh, it's a tie. If So, Daniel, all you have to do is bet something and <laughs> bet and one point. One point <laughs> and get it all right and you win. I feel like if LeBron bets everything and then gets it and Beats like matches my ten. I feel like it would make sense for him to win that tiebreaker. I right like that. It feels like it makes sense. I don't know. I'm just making up things. I want. I want this. To, I want. So I want some narrative tension. So, so Daniel, the question is: Do you want to? Do you want to risk not winning? That's the really the question here. Because mm. if you bet even one point and uh, get it right, you win. But if you bet nothing, you at least tie. So, Leron, however, he bets everything. The best he can hope for is to tie you. Yes, uh, I'm gonna, I'm a bet so I can tie him. And and also, Daniel, you do lose points by the way if you bet them and you don't. You lose right. them, yeah. yeah, yeah. So Leron could still win if mm. we tie. If we tie, and if not, then there's no reason to do a tiebreaker, right? Yeah. Okay. No. If we tie, so if I bet nothing, we tie, if and you then bet, have a tiebreaker. If you, if you, well, yeah, I'll have to, is that what you is bet that nothing? Work? I bet everything, and if I get it right and we tie, then, there, then we have you, I'm just, sure you have a tiebreaker question for uh, that. Or uh, can we both? Can we both host the trivia? You, you could. You guys did an amazing job at my bachelor party. So you know, it's yeah, possible. we reunite. This all was right. our plan all okay. along. Okay. okay, how about this? How about this? I want you to name four musicals being released in 2024. And uh, you have one minute. I'm going to start it right now. Done. thinking Daniel's getting really confident over here. I don't know if one is a musical, to be honest, but I think it is. <laughs> Ten seconds. Yeah. All right, we're at time, gentlemen. Okay. Daniel, you seem very confident. So why don't you tell us what four you picked? I wrote a bonus, but I'm going to... Uh, just acknowledge my top four. So I've got Joker, Folly of Doom, yep. Mean Girls, yep. Back to Black, the Amy Winehouse film, and Wicked Part One. 
Is the Amy Winehouse film a musical? And then I put Mustafa the Lion King in case Amy Winehouse movie wasn't one. But technically, I think this is the fair assessment is the top four. Is that, is that the, one, the Amy Winehouse movie, is that a musical? I, I, I figured it'd have music in it. I mean. But <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was. Is it a, but is it a musical? Well, either way, you, you got four. Does it count, though? I don't want it to count. No, no. What are the Mufasa is a musical. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I so Mustafa. <laughs> Mustafa. <laughs> Wrong one. Mustafa. <laughs> um, yeah, I had Wicked Part One, Joker, Fale Do, Mean Girls, um, and then I wasn't sure on the fourth one, so I put Inside Out too. So, <laughs> but I, well, I should. We don't know yet. We don't know. I should thought of Mufasa, but yeah. Um, well, hey Daniel, congratulations. I, Daniel you, won that hey, one. You, won, you get this trophy. Listeners can't see it. We'll, we'll post photos with it. You know. Congratulations, sir, on your victory. And uh, this is our first inaugural Sneak Peaks episode. So uh, you can, in fact, take the reins of host next year and see if I can perform half as good as you, Mr. Bo Kemper. So congratulations. Big shoes to fill. Let's go. Let's go, everyone. Big shoes to fill. Wait, that's when people come down for prices right. Uh, all right, right. Stick okay, to okay, okay. podcasting, yeah, not, yeah, not exactly. the musical. Just writing about musicals. Like um, all right, guys, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for participating. And uh, anything you want to add about 2024 movies before we wrap up today? Go see them. Mm-hmm. We need the box office to do well. So go see movies you wouldn't normally see. Just just go see some movies out in the yeah. theaters, guys. Get off the couch and do some things. Don't forget the about your little theaters, too, if you have one. If you have the benefit, we here in Oklahoma City have a couple, at least one small theater that we can go to and yeah. see. Radio Cinema, the, you have uh, Oklahoma yeah. City Museum of Art has a good theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you probably have a museum close to you that shows films if you're not listening in Oklahoma City. So make a point to go to those, too. Absolutely. Well, well said, gentlemen. As always, when wildly over time, I can't believe I thought this was going to be a short, sweet episode. What was I thinking? Insanity. Where can listeners keep up with you and all your work online? Laron Chapman. Um, I think it's probably safe to announce it here now because this will be in an, our inaugural, you know, um, uh, video. I mean, podcast for next year. Um, but you can now start following my reviews on the cinematropolis.com. Uh, title pending, but um, yes, but um, reviews that I normally f- frequent on Letterbox, you can now see on cinematropolis.com. So excellent, ladies and gentlemen, check it out. Laron, we're very, very excited and thankful to host all of your great reviews and your insights. Uh, got for those of you who don't friend him on Facebook or you're not on Letterbox, Laron actually has some awesome short form reviews that he puts out. Uh, that they read, they're super fun. It's like it's like uh, eating candy. <laughs> but for the word, but like for like reading, you know, just, just that good Laron. Just got that magic. Man. So anyway, we're very excited to host those on the cinematropolis.com. Welcome back. You yeah. never left. The dot com. That's true. He never left. Never <laughs> left. <laughs> uh, the, welcome back to the byline. <laughs> Daniel Bokemper. Yeah. You can uh, find me on flickattack.com writing shorter reviews and then uh, the cinematropolis.com with my longer character analyses well not just character analyses more like film analysis but uh i right now the iron claw got a uh a more of a kind of a i would say like a historical um criticism of that film um you know with a, with a little bit more looking at what what that actually means and what the the literal iron claw may be um but i do want to add i'm very excited to be riding alongside lebron 
on the Cinematropolis. Um, I tend to write the longer form, but at the same time, I feel like Laron does accomplish what I barely get across in about 1500 words <laughs> in about 150 to 200. And, um, yeah, it's really impressive. So please, two, the very, the two different form, you know, they are, ways, they are different, you know? but I'm just, that's all to say, please read the cinematropolis. Um, as much as you listen to the cinematic schematic, um, Hopefully there will be more content to do that. I know there will be with Laurent's contributions, um, but I intend on posting a few more things too. So, Oh, uh, and also as always very excited to host all of your deep analysis piece, uh, Daniel, and you uh, have very, very, you don't tell yourself short. Your stuff is uh, long form. It's deeper. And mm-hmm. um, you're really, you're, you're really like dissecting the movie in a way that Laurent hits at like, for more yes. of like the, the practical, like here's the f- experience of watching the movie. Here's you're the really, highlight reel. Mm-hmm. Here's the deeper dive. And then if you want a really deeper dive, listen to the three hour podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you want to go so That's, far, you forgot just, what yeah. it's even about. There are tears, guys. Absolutely. Are tears. tears every time. True. true. Uh, and of course, listeners, you can find me on the cinematropolis.com as well uh, on all the social media channels, including Letterboxd, X, uh, Instagram, at uh, C Masters Talk. That's Letter C Masters Talk. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be going on a hiatus soon. But before we do, we've got to do our top five films of 2023. It'll be our final episode before we go on a winter hiatus until February. We can't wait to catch you again next time. 